Welcome to the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, episode number 53, Disney Part 2, Revenge of the Mouse, or the Mousening, or Disney Part 2, Electric Boogaloo, whatever the hell you want to call it, it's fine. Uh, but I am your host, Rob. Joining me tonight is Ben. Creepy paper. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, joining us for the first time, Aaron. I lift heavy things. <laughs> Jada. I dance. TJ. Sometimes I just like to make a Rob, Rob's eyes twitch. <laughs> you do a good job. Yeah. Good job. Uh, Kat. Hi. Hi. Boring. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I love the you, you threw me off for that because that was from the... What is per, that from? Explain. Uh, that was from What We Do in the Shadows, episode one. Yeah, the so pilot. They, oh, okay. they had a dignitary for the vampires coming to visit them in Long Island. So one of the vampires goes to the grocery store with his familiar, and he so sees crepe paper and reads it as creepy paper. Creepy <laughs> paper. Uh, it's crepe paper. It's creepy paper. And everyone's paper. like, no, it's crepe paper. But it was just a wonderful, wonderful oh, sequence. He also covers himself in glitter. He does. Amazing. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Twilight. But we're not talking about vampires tonight. Again, as I mentioned, we were talking about Disney again. And uh, actually about two years ago, and to give you a good timeline for everybody at this table, um, when we last talked about Disney is actually when we changed the format of the show and we went to a single topic. Was that two years ago? It was two years ago because it, we were talking about oh Beauty God. and the Beast, which we were talking about the trailer at that time for <gasps> Beauty and the Beast uh, for the live action. So since then... Uh, we kind of talked at that time about the three eras of Disney. So we talked about the Golden Age, Silver Age, and Modern Age. So this is us kind of getting a chance to pick up from that point. The but Fox Age. Yeah. So <laughs> we have a lot to talk about tonight. But before we talk about any of that, let's start the show the way that we start every other show. So the question I have for everybody tonight is this. Would you rather be a hero's animal sidekick or a villain villain's minion in a Disney film? And I'm going to start tonight with TJ. Okay. Um, I think... Depending, I'd want to go with with the animal sidekick. Animal sidekick. Yeah, Reason because, why? Because normally they're a little bit more intelligent than the than the villain's minion. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure I would bet nine times out of ten, I'd bet on the animal sidekick somehow screwing up the villain's minion, except for maybe Iago. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> um, Jada, how about you? That's actually pretty legitimate. Um, the uh, animal sidekicks do tend to be a little bit more intelligent. I mean, look at Abu from Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Ca- caused as many problems as problems he helped solve. This so. is true. This is true. <laughs> the mice. Um, but then also you have like, but then again, not all of the minions um, or like, you know, the evil minions or villain minions were stupid. You have, what is it? The Raven, Maleficent's Raven oh, was pretty yeah. badass. So if I could be... One specific one, I yeah. would go with Maleficent's Raven because, you know, that was actually the minion that found where the fairies were hiding Aurora because, well, the fairies were stupid um, <laughs> and the raven was smart and could fly. So I'll go with that one. <laughs> okay. That's solid. I, I, I would say that, like, Iago and the raven are the outliers on the the villains minions cuz but I'm still going to go with oh, that yeah, one yeah. specifically. Yeah, I mean yeah, the, that that, that raven sense. is fantastic. If I could have that in real life, that would be amazing. Well, I mean, is really my real life villain goal, so yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um Aaron, how about you? Uh, I was thinking about this. I was if I had a choice like Jada, I would I was going to be the horse, the Max from Tangled. Maximus. Oh. Max, Maximus. Yeah. Maximus is by far he steals the show. Um I always felt the animal sidekicks rarely spoke, except for the mice and Cinderella's. Most of these are non-speaking characters, and I always felt the 
the villainous sidekicks, at least they, had, they could talk and they could speak. I always liked Max because Max was able to express himself without any kind of, you know, words. But but it was almost enough to end end the one of the heroes of the the picture was enough of a foil to him. Yes. So he was kind of the like Max was the superhero pretty much of it all. Yeah, essentially. But but he was still very, he was still very much the side. You know, he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. He was lawful good too. Yes, he was very yes. much so. <laughs> Cat, how about you? Um, definitely animal sidekick. I mean, I have a hard time even in video games playing the bad guys, so I would not be able to take orders from the villain, especially if I didn't agree with them. Whereas like the animal sidekicks don't always take orders. They just kind of do whatever they want and hang around. Fair. Uh Ben. <laughs> uh most definitely villain and the uh, villain minion. Uh only because of the fact that I know myself personally, looking as a from a personality. I'm not going to hiss. That's um, what we were. I, I know. That's what you're mimicking. Um, Personality-wise, if I couldn't be the hero, I feel like I'd be better as the villainous minion, only because I tend to make light of almost any situation, and villainous minions almost tend to be, more often than not, the comic relief of the films. So I feel like personality-wise, that's probably where I would fit better. Fair. Um, I'm actually just going to pick a minion and go and just take that role because it just seemed fun. Um, Ed from uh, Lion King. Uh, one oh of the God. hyenas. The one that yeah. just laughed oh and God. was just kind of out there the entire time. I think that would work well. So I think, I think that would... Ed and Hey Hey are somehow distant relatives. I would, I would, I would both, assume like, so. they were both completely yeah. goofy the entire time. Uh -huh. who, who was the voice of Ed? Um, I don't know. Oh my God. I, I think that was... I can't imagine it was anybody very particular because it was just somebody laughing. And I think at that point in time, though, too, they didn't really cast huge names to be a person the to just laugh. Well, Whoopi the other two Goldberg was Whoopi Goldberg and, um, and Cheech Marin. Marin. But the person just laughing, I'm sure they're just kind of like, just grab somebody off the street. Just it's fine. Yeah, cool. We're good to go. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you talk about Hey Hey, and it's, it's Alan Tudyk, but... I was Julia. One of the other reasons why I would be okay being one of the villainous minions is because by the end of the movie, the villainous minion still survives. Yeah, they usually always do. It's very, very rare you see any of the villain minions, especially in a Disney film, die. It's always it, the super villain will. You will... might be trapped in a lamp for a while, but uh, but you still get out. Yeah. yeah. The animal sidekicks are usually safe too. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why it was. We're a, I think it was... Oh, there is one that bites it. Who? The cat, Lucifer the cat in Cinderella. Uh, he falls from the balcony. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, God. That's well, nine lives, so it's fine. It's good, good, good to go. Go ahead. Jim Cummings was Ed. So we need a boo. We need a Yeah, That's a big role. But again, though, too, like Jim Cummings, though, back during that time for Lion King was... Everybody's like, Jim Jim Cummings? Who's that? And with the exception of the people that worked inside Disney, we're like, well, that's Winnie the Pooh. But everybody else was kind of like... Again, still who? Yep. Makes you wonder if they just grabbed him off the set and like, come on over here for a day. We just need you to laugh for five minutes. Probably. Pretty much. Now <laughs> go back to you your winning the pill. Because I mean, he's just a big voice actor. He's, he's not. Such a huge voice he's actor. not Cheech Marin. Yeah. He's not Whoopi Goldberg. Right. We, we love him because of all of the things he's done. But you know, in the non-internet or the very early internet age. God, I'm just thinking of the Lion King right now, and just it's blowing my mind yet again. Just to kind of sit back and look back and think, what a huge, phenomenal cast that movie was of voice actors just to begin with i mean you had yeah. other disney movies that had big names but like you know like robbie benson and, and and beauty and the beast but the lion king i think really set the standard because almost every actor that did a voice actor voice in that role in that movie was known yeah you had you know um nathan lane and yeah. matthew broderick james earl jones like it's 
it had Jeremy a Jeremy Irons, Jeremy Irons yeah. Yeah. Goldberg, Cheech Marin. Like that cast had more known people, I think, than any other Disney movie before it. That's true. Um, well, and to not get into the voice actor role, let's just dive in because I figure the best place, because we're kind of coming back to a topic like this, we still got to give a little bit of precedence for where we all stand. Um, so the audience has a jumping on point for when we start getting into the major pieces. So I figured the best place for us to do this is talking about for each of us, what our top three Disney films is. And we'll just, we're not going to take a lot of time on this. Just a couple quick moments. Everybody just will kick around, give your top three real fast. Just move on to the next person. That way we can kind of get into this a little bit more. Tough. Well, so what we'll hard. do is we'll yeah. do this the easy way. We're going to do, we'll do one at a time. Okay. Uh, so that gives everybody a moment to think. And it doesn't have to be your absolute top, but like it gives everybody an idea. You don't have to be, you don't have to drive yourself insane thinking Do, about this. Does this include insane. Pixar? Yeah. I'm saying for, we're in a new era of Disney where Disney essentially owns everything. So, so pre and that, feel free to include Star, Star Wars, Wars and the Marvel. MCU, oh, all of these no, things. No, that Pixar. makes it way too difficult. Let's just do <laughs> but, older Disney. But the thing is though, tonight we're going to have to talk about that. That's why we're kind of here is because that ruins Disney everything. is different from when we talked about it. Two right. years ago, like dramatically different. Like the MCU was in the mix and we kind of ignored it, and Star Wars was in the mix and we kind of ignored it. Now we have 20th Century Fox and things have changed in a big bad way and we can't ignore it anymore. So, um, so, um, Aaron, I know you were sure. kind of already prepared. Just give us your, your first one. Sure. I'm going to go and start with just animated, um, just yeah. kind of keep it on topic. My favorite um, animated film is going to be Inside Out by Disney. Oh, Nice. Um, I thought it was just a really well done story. And if you watch a bit of the behind the scenes, it's cine- uh, like the cinematography in it is actually really well done because they talk about how the characters are moving across the screen and how they're telling a story. They're going on a journey and how there's different cameras when you're in the head versus the wide angle. And it really made me appreciate um, just how much actually goes into the thought process of the animation. Very nice. That's um, a good one. I'm going to jump in right off the bat and say uh, Moana for me is one of my oh, so my favorites, so um, especially in the last couple of years. I think it tells such an amazing story without having to go into too much, but it was really great to kind of have a female heroine's adventure, not a love story. And it was just watching somebody become the ruler basically of her people. And it was watching the story of her kind of going through the coming of age to that moment. So Jada. Um, I'm going to say one of my absolute favorite Disney of all times is Brave. I love that movie. It tells a beautiful story. Again, again, it tells a beautiful story, not so much about a love story. In fact, it's about her rejecting the idea of arranged marriage and sort of the traditional aspects of her family, but still also represents that dichotomous nature of, you know, girls of a certain ages and their moms at a certain age. And now I'm realizing the more and more (laughs) that, you know, as I have my own daughter who's 11 now, um, I'm a lot more like Queen Eleanor, and I can really kind of understand where she's coming from, and it's really that mother-daughter relationship in that movie always really moved me. Um, and then, of course, you have the adorable little mischievous bears and, you know, the little brothers and the family dynamic and the cool Scottish accents um, and lots and lots and lots of bows and arrows. So that one's probably one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. So funny enough, um, 
The last time we did this uh, podcast on Disney, I hadn't seen Brave and now I have and it is really good. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. I updated. But yeah, mine, uh, one of mine would be Beauty and the Beast because, and actually I enjoyed the um, the live action that they did just as much as the original. I thought they did a really, really good job with it. Do you it. tilt one way or the other, one versus the other? Or really. as long as you're it's getting this story, you're happy? Pretty much, yeah. It's separate things. And the music for both is like one of the biggest iconic things for me and they Definitely. remained awesome in both versions so ben uh i'm i'm gonna go with this when it comes to there's so many disney movies i'm not even including mcu or star wars in this but including pixar and live action there's so many movies that i could create a top 10 easily but i'm gonna go (laughs) with my top three i'm gonna go with the ones that have had the most impact on me and have stayed with me the longest uh and the first one of that would be sword in the stone that it's one. I'm gonna show my age with my top three. Oh, yeah, Trust yeah. me. No, it's good though. Um, you know, all three of mine are older than like Aladdin and Lion King and Beauty and the Beast. And we're gonna so. do a lot it's of okay. that. It's okay. I'm yeah. gonna show my age with mine too. <laughs> um, TJ, uh, actually, um, mine would be Aladdin. Okay. I just always liked the story. So Perfect. Yeah. Um, Aaron, what's your number two? Um, Unless so, you had a point you wanted to jump in on. No, that. it's fine. Number two is fine. <laughs> <laughs> um. Going um, really old school would be like one of the dramatic movies that came out, as I was telling about from the Touchstone Predictions, which was Good Morning Vietnam. Um, seeing that again from when I was younger to when I was adult really like understood that movie and really like that story that it told. And seeing Robin Williams again in that dramatic role is always just like brings tears to your eyes at like how good that, sh- that movie really was uh, for when it was done. That's fantastic. Uh, you know what? Um, I'm going to jump onto the Touchstone train as well and say Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, um, I think that nice. is, and a lot of people I always kind of forget again because you bring up Touchstone. Touchstone was, was a Disney it? imprint yep. uh, for their slightly more adult audience because they don't want to say, hey, as I mentioned when we were talking before we started this, you're not going to show an X-Men movie in five years from now with Wolverine jumping out of a tree, stabbing somebody in the throat. But right before that movie starts, you're going to see Cinderella's Castle because that's not going to happen. You're still <laughs> just going to see Marvel Studios in the same way you're going to see something like Touchstone before Robin Williams screams into a microphone, right. you know. Mm-hmm. You're afraid Roger Rabbit's a great movie, but that movie could never be done again. No, no, no. That was that <laughs> was done on the fees alone. No. That was basically done on the back of the willpower of of Steven Spielberg. Like that was his he just said, I'm going to make this movie. And everyone's like, okay, right. we'll do that now yeah. for you this one time. And you and you know what? Never if you, again. If you include Touchstone into this, you almost you could probably almost double the amount of movies that you can choose from because Touchstone had their hand in Pretty Woman, Armageddon, Unbreakable, oh. Sixth Sense. Like they are Touchstone Pictures I movies. I had no idea. I think The Rock, starring your favorite actor Nicolas Cage, <laughs> Rock is um, is a Touchstone Pictures movie too. Stupid. It is. Uh, Jada, what was your number two? Oh gosh. Um. <laughs> Dead air does not work on a podcast. Remember, I'm sorry. Somebody else go. Somebody else go. It's okay, yeah. Yeah, I can jump into my number two while Jade is is thinking of hers. Uh, I'm going to go. It's weird because I'm kind of transitioning from animated to live action with animation and then... Oh no, my last So one you're not ready. Action. TJ, no, I'm I am. Ah. <laughs> um, uh, my, my, my number two is uh, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Okay. Which is one that included animation and talked about the Nazis in Germany, which is fun. <laughs> Oh, it's a good topic. 
<laughs> and using su- suits of armor that come to life with a magic spell. Yeah. Trigona. I still remember the incantation. Yeah. Trigona McCoy, Trigona Saintesty. Yeah. Cat. Um, I'm just going off the top of my head because if I try to like include MCU and to. all the just other stuff, my brain won't work. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Hercules, actually, because I always loved Greek myths growing up. And so to get to see them was really awesome. And the music was fantastic. And you can go the distance when you... I can. That's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> Mulan. <gasps> yes. <laughs> Specific reasons? Well, it had awesome music. Um, oh because of course, anytime somebody says to me, let's get down to business, all I can think of is to defeat the Huns. Uh-huh. Um, you also have a great, you, there's a slight love story angle there, but you also have, again, a very feminist protagonist or she's defying social norms. She's doing something that is, you know, sort of against what was expected at the time. Um, and she kicks a lot of butts. So, I mean, there's that. And you also have a mythical dragon that's named after a pork dish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the other, other, other way. Yes. Uh, thank you for reminding me that Touchstone was in this. Um, so I'm going to do an obscure cut and say Oscar with Sylvester Stallone. Oh my god. Oscar's so good. It's one of the best chaos-filled movies of all time. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, Aaron, you're number three. Yeah, just put it right back on me, Rob. Um, number three. Um, I'm going to go with just one of my just all-time favorite big popcorn movie was Avengers. To me, that was just a lot of fun. Um, Plus, I got to see Hulk in a really good way. And he's like (laughs) one of my most favorite Marvel characters. So I know I have a big, wide gamut, but Disney is a big, wide company. They can hit you with drama and silliness and action. Jada. Um, For my third one, I am going to kind of go a little... I'm going to go into the Star Wars universe and I'm going to say The Force Awakens because it brought back the Star Wars franchise in such a huge and beautiful way. Um, Again, it was meaningful. Um, We had some great resurgence of our favorite characters from the original series and then also some great creation of new characters that we can really hold on to for going forward in the Star Wars universe. Cat. Um, I'm going to go with Lion King because that was one we watched over and over and over and over again as kids. And, it, you know, it's again, it draws on classical stories. So the story origin is just very present Hamlet. still. I know. It's <laughs> like, I mean, you can't go wrong. Like, it's still pervasive. Ben. Uh, my third one, and you can go either original or remake with this one, uh, Pete's Dragon. That is a movie that still Aww. to this day I absolutely adore. TJ. See, uh, I could, you know, tease Ben a bit, but mine's Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> <laughs> was Chitty Chitty Bang? Yes, it was Disney. Yeah, it was right. Disney, yes, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yep. It was at that time where Dick Van Dyke starred in everything that Disney ever made. Pretty much. Yeah. True. It was him and the guy, um, there was that other actor who played, uh, he was also in Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. He was yeah. the dad yeah. in, um, in, he was in the dad Mary, Mary Poppins. Poppins. Yep. And then he was also in the Gnome-Mobile, which was yeah. a very obscure, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. very random old school, like 19, early 1960s, where it's like, this guy's driving around and of course there's That's like bringing involved. up Mr. Boogity out of nowhere, yes, you know? I know. It's one of those weird ones. I have like early childhood memories of watching it on VHS and I don't know why we loved it, but we did. Uh, for me, my final one is a is one that I know a lot of people disagree with, but I still thoroughly loved it was Tron Legacy. I love Tron Legacy. Um, Tron <laughs> I Legacy, did. like I said, I thoroughly loved Tron growing up and the fact that they said, hey, we're going to make another Tron movie. I'm like, somebody's stoned. They're, they're just, <laughs> there's no way they're actually going to do this and they did and I'm like, 
This was really fun. And it was everything I loved about Tron without being cheesy anymore, with the exception of the first time we really see de-aging in CG for the first time mm-hmm. ever in, in a movie. And we go back and look at that scene and we're like, wow, that that looks creepy. Um, <laughs> but it was really, really fun. And it had a kick and soundtrack. And it was just a great, just wonderful popcorn film that I can go back to at any point in time. So, um, so yeah, I thoroughly, thoroughly still absolutely love that. Um, uh, David Tomlinson was the actor. Yes. That Thank was, you. That's, yes. It, that's it. And I'm really glad nobody mentioned Song of the South in their top three. Well, yeah. That made like four. I wrote something in here and I even made sure it was like, we don't have to talk about this because that's what we're already all thinking about. So let's just skip past <laughs> yep. it when we talk about Disney's darkest moment and we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> um, I think we could get darker. No, sorry. <laughs> Okay. All right. <laughs> let's not Disney. <laughs> so um, let's really quickly kind of talk about how Disney plays a part in our lives individually right now. Is there anything kind of specific Disney related that's a big focal point for anybody here or an obsession for anybody here? Uh, because I know it's an active part for us in every way, shape and form in a lot of different ways in pop culture. Teach. Here, for me here, no. But if my wife were to come over... Uh, she could probably, she watches about, I don't know, six to eight podcasts, uh, uh, not video casts on YouTube about Disney. Like, she could tell you stuff about the park. You're looking at her going, I'm okay with <laughs> never knowing any more than this. My guess is things like Yesterworld and Defunct Land. Yeah, and- Defunct Land, Train <laughs> Tracker, all of this stuff. And you're sort of sitting there going, okay. There's a. I'm not even in this into comic books, lady. You, <laughs> you have a deep, deep knowledge of the things of what's behind the scenes in Disney because of yes, your wife. Yeah, and it's a very big part of her life. And don't get me wrong, I, I love. I think Disney's great in a lot of aspects. I'm concerned about other aspects, which we'll get into. But yeah, we're absolutely gonna yeah. get them to to them tonight. Um, anybody else ready? Uh, Aaron. Um, so for us, um, Disney right now is a big focal point because we're looking to try to get to Disney World with the Aww. kids while they can enjoy it the most and get in that golden age of this is they're they're old enough to go in a lot of stuff, but they're not quite old enough, uh, or they're they're too young to remember. So that golden age of 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 getting there and that's a big part of your life. Where, you get the where your kids can't see that this isn't real. It's the magic is still there kind the, of thing. The magic is still there and they'll remember it. Mm-hmm. Taking a taking a 3-year-old to Disney World, it's like you're just wasting a lot of money. Uh because they're not going to remember much, but taking a 9-year-old, they're going to remember a lot. So the wife and I are trying to save up money. That means my entire life is now shifted to, well, I don't need to buy this. We're going to save mm-hmm. this money. You're going to save this money. And you know, that kind of thing is you know, it's a big focal point because we're going to start watching and doing more Disney things to get the kids more excited. They already love a lot of things that Disney does already. So it's going to be even more on top of that. So you and your family are thoroughly invested into Disney at this moment because you're amping up your kids. Yes. We're amping up our kids. We're absolutely getting into that. Yeah. Jada. So I'm going to go ahead and say that we're very spoiled because my husband's family is they're huge Disney people. And we've gone just about... Either every year or every other year since Lily was like six months old. I think Jude, the first time he went, was about five weeks old. So, yeah, they don't remember those early trips, but they do remember going to Disney from the time that they were very small. Um, and, you know, of course, things fo- things 
kind of change a little bit. Of course, also we have a, we have Alec who's our youngest and he's special needs. So, you know, he really likes some, just like the rides that go up and down. He loves the double ride and he loves like the magic carpet rides. And I do have to say that Disney is amazing for special needs. So remember that because I know with your daughter, Anna, that's also, that's also a thing. So um, if you register your child with them, you can get a special pass that allows you to basically do fast passes for any line. Um, Your child can go on multiple times and you, they also give you like, you get the magic bands and everything like that, which is added security, especially if you have like a runner, like my youngest is. Um, so they have been amazing. And then there are just so many other aspects of our lives that are really like, wow, okay, we're pretty saturated with Disney when I can hold an entire conversation with my, one of my kids or my husband in like Disney movie quotes. And of course, we're also, we are like Star Wars. We are Jedi yeah. as far as our family religion goes. So I mean, like <laughs> we have our good lightsabers mounted on the wall and our kids have done like the uh, Jedi training academy in the parks um, pretty much every time that we've gone since they've been old enough to do so. Um, and um I keep saying, um, and I'm really now self-conscious about that. Oh, you're that. fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do a podcast every week and do it all the time. Yeah, so, so I, I just think, like, for us, and it, once Disney acclimated Star Wars, that really kind of solidified, like, the Disney anchored in our house in a lot of ways because we were always a huge Star Wars home. So that's really a thing for us, too. Jade, Jade is really underselling the Jedi-ness. Her husband is... <laughs> he's been approaching me on how, on buying a saber at this point. Oh, no. Mike's been telling me about this for a while. <laughs> he's a hard sell on he's sabers for everybody. Same here. He's going to yeah. hit you with a hard sell. A you know if you buy a lightsaber, you can come over and we can spar. It'll be great. <laughs> so, so it's not just at your house. It... It branches out. It I'm in a good way. I'm, su- I'm surprised he hasn't started trying to pitch commercials when he's on this show. Oh, and he doesn't work for any of these companies. No, no. It's just but like, he should. It's a product that he believes in and he just wants everybody to know oh, how wonderful they are. So Cat. he's probably at home building lightsabers right now. Um, I think it's kind of hard to not like to be a geek right now and to avoid Disney in your life. I mean, because it's they've taken over so much of it, including Fox now, too. So, like, you know, most of the, if you like Marvel superheroes, okay, well, that's Disney now. If you like Star Wars, that's Disney now. Hey, guess you know already- what else is Disney now? <laughs> Fireflies, Disney now. So, see, there goes everything. I mean, <laughs> does that make Inara a Disney princess? Yes. Yes. We're going to talk about that. Let's not talk about that quite yet. Uh, but that's the thing is, like, it's taken over so much that I'm like, I guess I'm, you know, I was always, I grew up with the movies. I mean, considering my lack of movie knowledge, the fact that I've seen most of them was something. (laughs) Do they own Firefly? Yes. Because I thought they just bought the movie film studio. They own everything. uh, The only thing that they do not own is Fox News. The news outlets. Yeah. Okay, That's so it. they got the TV They had to sell too. off a small section of the sports brand for o- overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Fox Sports in the U.S. is part of Disney now. Okay. Uh, but, like, they... Oh, like, I'll put it this way. The day the acquisition went through, they had a brand new banner that they posted first thing at 12.01 a.m. when yeah. the deal was signed that had The Simpsons on their website. Okay. So, yeah. to give you oh, that weird. idea. Well, yeah, but there was a Simpsons movie. No, no, no. That was for the Simpsons TV show. Okay. Like, they had That's where I wasn't sure. I haven't read enough about the deal. That's crazy. Ben. Uh, You see, my my influence with Disney now has shifted more toward... Don't get me wrong. I still like the the animated films and everything. I actually went and saw Dumbo uh, the end of last week and enjoyed that. So I still like the new and traditional Disney stuff, but... 
as of right now, my focus is completely on the MCU. And it's because of Endgame coming out in less than a month. I mean, tickets, as of this date, as of right now, tickets are rumored to go on sale tomorrow, and I will be on my phone buying tickets. Um, the other big Endgame thing we're all looking at is Star Wars in December. <laughs> way to jump all over my MCU Woo! point there, Cap. <laughs> but Star but see, Wars. Well, but see, and... and <laughs> And you say it as Endgame, and of course, Avengers is called Endgame, but they're going to continue these franchises. They're not going to. They're not going they to. They are end. absolutely. Um, but yeah, so right now, my focus when it comes to Disney is purely on the MCU. Fair. Um, for me, I would say a recent obsession was probably the fact that I got to play Kingdom Hearts three, and that was basically like, Aww, hey, do you want to play yeah. back through every Pixar movie in the last several years? I'm like, <laughs> sure. Um, and it was really kind of fun because I was like, oh, my God, you know what is I, – I forgot actually how good Frozen really made me smile and it made me enjoy it when I actually played through it in Kingdom Hearts again. Oh, can or, I add that one to my top three? Yeah, you totally can <laughs> if you want to. Uh, but, I mean, like even just having a, a Toy Story world and it made me want to finally watch Big Hero 6, which is one of the few I haven't seen yet because of playing through that world. I'm like, these characters are really oh, wonderful. It's so good. It's that so um, really good. Really good. Cry. It and, is so good. And there was all those little things from playing through that game, not just because of those characters, but like all the characters I went back through and re re-experienced from Disney lore from Kingdom Hearts 1 through 3. Because it's playing through the first game again and then playing through two and playing through three in a relatively short period of time. And it was just like, wow, I, there, there's so many wonderful characters. And it was really just great from that. And like I said, now that that's kind of wrapped up, it's now my uh, my sights are set firmly on Star Wars uh, at the end of the year. And I'm just Yay. excited about the end of like the my entry into science fiction. Um, you know, basically it's the end of end of this story that I got to start when I was like three years old. So... It's something really kind of special about that, that we know that that's happening this year. So, um, so um, you know, the live action era of Disney's kind of started since the last time we really talked about this. And when I mentioned that, you know, at that point in time, there was only, I think, really three films really out. Uh, the last time we talked Disney, which was Alice in Wonderland with Tim Burton, uh, was out at that time, Cinderella. And uh, which everybody has, it's funny because so many people forget there was a live action Cinderella several years back. I forgot completely. Yeah. I remembered it, but I actually haven't seen it because Cinderella is like one of my probably least, least. favorite. It actually Disney. wasn't bad. Yeah. Like, like it, wasn't, it wasn't horrible. You know, they definitely added to the Cinderella story. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's still stuff like you're looking at it like, I'm not sure this needed to be remade Did it need this to be accurately. Made, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, again, then right at that time, though, we had Beauty and the Beast, uh, and Beauty and the Beast kind of launched like this because we're talking about that end of the Silver Age, the way that we kind of deemed what the Silver Age was, uh, which was it kind of ended on the high note of things like it was Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Lion King and all those things. Um, and we now have all of these movies pretty much on our doorstep at this point. We have two this year alone. Actually, I think three. Uh, because we have, I think, the second Maleficent film uh, is coming out in 2019. We've got uh, Aladdin coming out this year. And The Lion King is coming out this year. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, and Dumbo. And Dumbo, and Dumbo. just oh, yeah. came out. Just right. Came. Well, I feel like with um, a lot of them, like Cinderella, for example, um, you know, if they're doing something different, like Maleficent did something different where it explored a different angle, that was really worthwhile. Um, but if they're going to, like remake it a lot of the ones that i feel aren't going to hold weight is if you don't have the music because really like the music was such an integral part of the original films 
So like I know Cinderella didn't really have music, and so it's kind of like, meh. Well, I mean, it, it's it's a good point that you make, especially because of you know talking about Aladdin, which is going to be coming out relatively soon. When they first introduced that teaser showing Will Smith at the genie, I was having no part of that. It's like, nope, don't want to see it. I have no idea. And that's because of a lot of love that I still have in my heart for Robin Williams. Yeah. But then when they released the full trailer and we got to see more of uh, Will Smith as the genie, but we also got Never Had a Friend Like Me in there, yeah. a whole new world. I was like, okay, I think now I kind of want to see it. And it, yeah, the music had a big it. impact in why I, I changed my mind. And well, that was my big impact with Beauty and the Beast. Alan Menken. The, yeah, Alan Menken. Oh, my God. I've been rewatching Galavant. And, oh, it's, I love Galavant so much. It's so good. <laughs> Secret. Secret. <laughs> hush, hush. <laughs> kind of picking back off of what Kat was saying, when Disney is just rehashing the same story over, I, I feel like it's pushing a bit of a money grab. Um, they're not telling an original story like they did with Maleficent, or it was a new story retold from the other side. Um, I'm reminded of when when I saw Wicked in the theater. It's a different story on, on something you knew in the past. Yeah. And it's a great way to do it. And, and if they do that, if they go with that angle, I think it's going to be better. I think it's going to be uh, a better story and better quality movies. But if you're just going to just make the thing a CG live action movie, it's kind of really do we really need this like like aren't you just now just trying to get a, a cash cow well i mean i'll bring up like beauty and the beast um yeah. beauty and the beast added some story like, they added new music elements. too yeah. and things like that and like that was worthwhile because they gave again for me a mu- music has always been a big part of that and so adding new songs i'm like awesome new songs and dances it's like kind of getting a remix but and they added some context though. They though, did. Too. They, they added, added more context. Back, they add so they did mother. more with it. But then like when you get stuff like I know they were talking with Mulan about not having music and that was like that such makes a me so sad. Right? Well, yeah. I don't even like there's no interest in seeing it then. Well, Ben, what can like, you say? Because you just saw Dumbo. And that was what I was going to bring up, is that Dumbo actually takes... I mean, you look at the original Dumbo, and it's primarily a movie about a baby elephant. There are very hardly any human characters in that, with the exception of the, the circus director and, and maybe a couple of performers. Dumbo takes it and adds so much more human character element to it while not taking away from the Dumbo story. Dumbo is very much the the primary character of the film, but you have the two kids that are caring for Dumbo. You have the father of the two kids now that add whole new elements to the story. You have a villain in in Michael Keaton's character. Danny DeVito's character is great. And even in Dumbo, when you talk about the music, Dumbo really, there's the, um, you know, if I see an elephant fly with, with the crows, the crows are not part of the movie. Um, but there's also wise, but there's, but there's also the opening of the film, which is the train, you know, Casey Jr. goes down the track and the way they kind of cleverly put that in is in the, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, but it's not a spoiler of the story itself is in the very opening of the movie when they're showing you the circus and the train is on the track. Danny DeVito is one was like walking through the circus along the 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 train and he's singing the Casey Jones okay. or the oh, Casey Junior song yeah, yeah. so they still find a way to get to it, it in the film to work yeah. it into the film. But question for you on that on yes. Dumbo though, do they have the scene that makes me cry in it, the uh, baby mine, where like baby Dumbo goes to visit his mom and she's all locked up? Yes. Oh my god! Aww. Like weeping. It is, I I will tell you this as a quick review. There's there is some humor 
to the movie, not a lot. It's mm -hmm. compared to other Disney movies, it's not nearly as much humor, but they make up for it in a ton of heart. There there are sad moments because Dumbo Dumbo's is a, a sad, sad story. story. Yeah. But it's it's very it, there's a lot of emotion to it and there's a lot of happiness at, and in the story as well. I recommend it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Aaron, you look like you had something you, oh, you had a question about. No, I was just saying that that's exactly the point I was trying to make is that it isn't just a remake. It's taking something, mm -hmm. adding to yes. it, and, and building upon it and not being a cash grab. Mm -hmm. Along that line, um, so Maleficent is probably my favorite Disney villain of all time. Yeah. And I love that they came out with the Maleficent movie a few years ago with Angelina Jolie. I thought she was absolutely perfect. And I really, really loved the world creation and the really like the focus on her for the backstory. I want to see more of that. Well, you're yeah, going to this year. Yes. I would love to. So, like I said, they, uh, we have the sequel coming to that film, which... But, like, but I want to see, style. like, Ursula. Like, yeah. I want to oh, yeah. see, I wanna oh, see the, movies like, kind of about a... the villains. Like, I want to yes. see, like, why did, what happened to Ursula? What happened to our poor squid girl that that made her go evil? Um, you know, like I want to see, I want to see more of that element in the story. I would love to see the, you know, take that tale as old as time and flip it on its ear, and see a little bit more of what happened in the backstories of some of these villainous characters to mm -hmm. make them the way they are. So you um, you want to see Disney get the Tucker and Dale treatment? Yeah. Pretty much. How Tucker and Dale flips horror on its ear? Yes. Okay. I mean, I think as much as a lot of people would love to see it, I think you won't in a movie like Little Mermaid because they can go and make Little Mermaid and a lot more people are going to go see Little Mermaid than a movie called Ursula. I know. I, I mean, like, it would I, I, would, so I would love to, but I think like you, that's where I think the reason why we got Maleficent though was also because of we made a live action Cinderella. Who cared? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. But if they said, we're going to make a live action Cinderella and everyone's like, who's going to care? Or Sleeping Beauty and everyone's going to be like, yeah, but like if they say, "Well, we're going to make a movie about Maleficent," and everyone's like, "That's because Maleficent okay, was keep... a hell of a lot more and the, interesting." And that's she when you say, "Okay, keep talking," you know, yeah. like because you're like, "Okay, what are we going to do with this?" You know, I think there's only a handful of those classic Golden Age Disney films that I think you can just make almost a one-one kind of translation, and people are going to be like, "I am absolutely there." Like Sword in the Stone, Robin Hood. I think you can get away with a lot of people oh, jumping at the, so those good. ideas, but I think. You know, the classic, like, Snow White. Everybody's kind of, like, been there, done that. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think one of the uh, one of the challenges that comes with that, too, is a lot of these properties that we're talking about, you know, when it comes to Cinderella, Snow White, uh, these aren't properties that Disney created. They were properties that they took over. Yeah. So there could be a challenge in that, too. But when it comes to, you know, creating something original, I think, to me, even still to this day, one of the most brilliant, and it was a spinoff. It was a straight-to-DVD spinoff. It didn't go to, to theaters. But how you made the comparison of Lion King to Hamlet, because mm -hmm. it really is. It's a, it's a telling yeah. of Hamlet. Lion King two and a half, or Lion King one and a half, was basically the story of Hamlet told by Timon. It was the story of the Lion King told by Timon and Pumbaa, which was basically Rosencrantz and, and Guildenstern are dead, <laughs> which was oh, the story awesome. of Hamlet told by Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. That's really fun. So if you did a live action version of that, had they never done the animated movie, yeah, and that was their first take on it, like instead of doing a live action Lion King, they did a live action Lion King one and a half. Yeah, especially because that never got wide that. release. Yes, so that would make sense because it didn't really have a chance to air. Yeah, I mean it's and it's basically Timon and Pumbaa are the main characters, and it's the story of Lion King told in the background, and Te it's brilliant. Teach, what are your thoughts on as far as like the live action trend. So the live action stuff I've sort of gone ha I'm going half and half on. Like I enjoy some of it, but like I didn't see a point to Beauty and the Beast. 
because yes, they added new songs, one of which was from the Broadway show, and one of which was a inferior copy to the song on the Broadway show. You know, and they added a couple of things of context. I didn't need any of that, and everything else was pretty much shot for shot of the animated movie. So why bother? On the other hand, like Maleficent, I thought was really good, um, and I'm hope you know, I'm ho- hoping that the next one continues that quality. Um, I'm, but on the other hand, I'm also looking forward to Aladdin because I think there's more of a difference between Will Smith's humor and uh, Robin Williams' humor that we might actually get a different telling of that to a degree of that story. You know, there might be some differences that might make it worth it. See, I feel like Aladdin's going to be very comparable to Beauty and the Beast, yeah. though. And, it's and going to be I'm, a similar I'm, style I'm, of thing. I'm hoping, because I really like Aladdin, that it's going to be that, but I'm also more... Well, that's what the, yeah. having different actors in for yeah. Beauty and the Beast too gave it like a bit more of. There were nuances that weren't in the original and things mm-hmm. like that. But I think some of those nuances didn't matter. But like, they're probably yeah. not going to in Aladdin. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think it also depends on your audience because yeah. let's be real for a second. Aladdin was a little bit more marketed to you, whereas Beauty and the Beast was a little bit more marketed to us. So, you know, I'm referring to myself and Kat here. Sorry, I I realize I'm gesturing on a podcast and that doesn't translate. So, you know, you identified with Aladdin as like a young man. Like that was that was a cool guy that, you know, could go parkouring through a cool city, which, by the way, is pretty much shot for shot. Um, What's that video game? uh, Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Yeah. They took a lot of that when they made that video game. Um, but you look at that and of course, I mean, that's for me, I love Aladdin. I think princess Jasmine Mm -hmm. is like my Disney princess, like life goal. Um, but yeah. So when I see something like beauty and the beast for me, that was a huge part of my adolescence was singing those songs and identifying with her because she was a little bit more representative of me when I was that age. So I can, I can kind of see that, but at the same time, like, I feel like that has a little bit more meaning to me. I went to go see that one with my daughter and your wife and your daughter. Uh, (laughs) And uh, it was really, it was really poignant, uh, poignant and nostalgic to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, I did identify pretty hard, pretty well with Belle because she was the out, the nerdy outcast in a a town, which pretty much described my teenage life. And TJ wanted to wear a lot of dresses. Yeah. You know, the blue dress looks really good on me. Spin around in the fields. The gold one. The gold one would bring out your eyes. (laughs) Um, but you know I loved the original uh, and I loved the stage play Mm -hmm. though I think in the the version of the stage play I saw they should have left the makeup on the beast he was they they took off that makeup it was like oh man Belle you lost out (laughs) put it back on (laughs) like Belle you look like a supermodel beast looks like he hit his face in an iron Uh, (laughs) um, well I mean I'm gonna piggyback real quick off of TJ's point I mean like I said for me like I didn't really but like well, not quite your point on that, but to kind of yeah, kind just, of it goes in between. Yeah. Um, okay. So essentially for me, it was like I view it as I, I understand the purpose, though, for this, even regardless of the way and the marketing for whatever gender it may be, mm-hmm. is I didn't really watch Beauty and the Beast much growing up. But like I got to watch it later in the live action. I was like, well, this is an opportunity for me to go back to it and give it another shot. And I was able to say, well, I never really remembered the story very clearly, but I'm like, oh, this was phenomenal. And I've gone back and watched it probably more than Kat has gone back and watched it. You know what? Um, there's That actually brings in a valid point because I've noticed like, you know, for example, with the Beauty and Beast remake, it, there's some of the animation has like you know, held up, especially the later ones, but there's a lot of it that feels dated and isn't going to reach kids as much. Cause I noticed like friends of ours, um, 
they have their daughter watch the live action version when they watch it. You know, Charlotte like mm-hmm. watches the live action version, not the animated one. And that's the one she really gloms onto and identifies because she's like two or three. So, <laughs> but again, it looks more in line with what cartoons and animated things are now. So for them, for kids, they're going to just glom onto, they look at like older stuff and it's probably like how I look at with, um, you know, Rob introduced me to bed knobs and broomsticks and I'm like, nah. Because I, <laughs> I, I, I know. Oh no, I know. I'm, go back I'm and the watch, worst. If, if I were to oh, watch it's bed knobs, dated. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a little painful. But that's my point is like, so for me, just being like seven years younger than him, um, you know, for me, it was already felt dated seeing it as an adult, uh, you know? So for kids, they're just trying to update like those classics so that they can enjoy them in an easily digestible I think format. That, I think that's a good point. I think that's mm-hmm. a, a good reason as to why they are doing this. It's not I'm, – I'm sure money plays a big part I of mean, it. I mean, absolutely. Because <laughs> they want to make money. But I think you're right. I think they're they're reinventing what they originally had for a new generation of fan. It's keeping the story alive. Yeah. One thing that I'm actually really excited about what they with, with what they do with the live-action films – is I love seeing the world building aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Love I, I love seeing like you know the poor provincial town in, I um, know. in Beauty and the Beast and all the little details and things that they couldn't really nuance as much in the animation that they're doing now with the live action films. Um, I'm actually really 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 interested to see all the different costuming elements and the different um, setting elements in. Um, um, Aladdin and yeah. how they're going to create Agrabah and the marketplace and all the intricate little details on like you know Princess Jasmine's clothes and you know all just all of that I just I find it really really fascinating the one thing I really like about the live action is they they really do take the opportunity to get the the setting and the world building right better they don't just call somebody's like can you kind of draw me what you think France might look like in the, <laughs> in the 1700s 1600s and like sure kind of think it looks like this like they know they go there and they get yeah. experts and they they spend that energy and those resources not to just to crank out an animated film but to make a film that's almost like a period piece yeah you know when you just talk about Agrabah Agri- you know in that in the Aladdin movie, it was very much an American version of yes. a Middle Eastern world. <laughs> um, and I want to see a Middle Eastern version of exactly. a Middle yes. Eastern world. I want to see what they do when they actually have a research team that right. knows what they're doing, put their hands on that and say, okay, let's do, let's use this to actually build something that's representative of what a Middle Eastern marketplace would have looked like in, I'm not even sure what year that's supposed to be. <laughs> I have no idea. But well, you know what, we like that context the... now. Like, and that's the thing, is we could get that context. Finally. Absolutely. Which so I'm excited awesome. to see that. I, I mean, I know this is talking a little bit about the dark side, but it does go towards the fact that it is a global company trying to reach global audiences. And I like the fact that they're... They realize it's not all white people watching yes. their movies now. <laughs> yeah. White American yeah. people, not just white people, white yeah. Americans. yeah. Well, what's interesting about the original Aladdin is if you look at the... They did go and study the architecture, which is why it looks... But the only character that looks like the architecture is Jafar. He's got the, he's got the curved lines, everything come You know, because I watched a special on it one time. He's the only character that looks like the city. The other characters who are heroes don't look like the city. Now, oh. now, and and Princess Jasmine, and that it's very Americanized. Yeah, yeah. her whole yeah. facial structure uh-huh. is like right. an American white but girl. That's the that beautiful has thing. Like skin. we all saw yes. this first trailer for, well, the full trailer for this. You're like, 
nope, that's good casting. Yeah. Because they actually took the time to cast the right people for those roles. Yes. Um, Will Smith is still questionable, but we'll see. <laughs> I think Will Smith's I'll, I'll, I'll give him a shot. I'll give him a shot, yeah. If Will Smith, the actor, shows up, I think it's going to be fantastic. If Will Smith, the action star, shows up, I think we might be able to. And I don't, I don't think he will. I mean, <laughs> my biggest problem when I saw that first Taylor, first ta- teaser wasn't with Will. It was with the CGI. Yeah. That's that was fair. my biggest problem. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I think what's going to happen is you're going to get your moment in that theater where he's going to do a nod to Robin Williams. And you're going to say, there is no he, harm done I'm, here. I'm going to get my Jumanji welcome to the jungle moment. You're yeah. going to have that. Yeah. That's, exactly, that's exactly how and, it was. And you're going to be like that worrying concern. You're going to put in your pocket and say, okay, the next time somebody tries to make a, a remake a Robin Williams film, you can pull that back out at that moment and yeah. say, make sure that they don't. Because that's exactly that's exactly what happened for me with Jumanji. I was sitting in the theater and the whole time I'm cringing. I'm like, oh, I, I want to like it, but I don't know. Uh-huh. And there's one line that's said in that movie where I was just like, yep, I'm good. I'm uh-huh. good. Um, well, I think, you know, a lot of it is people going into seeing the new Aladdin movie and they're they're expecting to see that lightning in a bottle performance that was Robin Williams. And it's it's really scary. Like you said, it's really scary yeah. because there's so much concern of, you know, is he going to try and duplicate that? I don't think that there's an actor alive. No one no. can duplicate no. that because you can't duplicate Robin Williams. They, well, they originally wrote the genie for Robin. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and they wow. just put him in front of a microphone yep. and said, here's an outline <laughs> of what we kind of want to happen. Yep. Go nuts. Um, but you know, they can't, you can't really expect Will Smith to do that, but I'm really interested to see what Will Smith will bring to that character because he's going to do it in his way. And I'm excited to see what that's going to be. Without making this the Aladdin show, I'm going to move us forward. (laughs) Uh, it's because it's, but it's like one of many things that are, we're talking about a whole era. Yeah. Um, versus <laughs> let's break down a trailer, which fine, Rob. <laughs> fine. So, but I mean, like, there's another movie that recently came out in the live action era, and I'm surprised nobody's brought it up because I think it played the best homage to classic Disney, which was Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, yes. I still haven't seen it, so um, I, I can't really speak it on it. I mean, it's going to be a very short kind of conversation, but like, they did a really beautiful job of doing not only paying tribute to you know, the classic films, but like the traditional musical uh, live action films of, you know, the 60s and 70s that really kind of helped additionally put Disney on the map when, well, we can only make so many animated films every year because they cost us a small fortune. Um, But like we talked about people like Angela Lansbury, you know, and all, and the the roles that they all played, we bring up things like Chitty Chitty, Bang Bang, things like that. But that really did a beautiful job of playing homage to that era of Disney in a wonderful way. And it felt like that was a, came out of that era almost beautifully. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've actually seen Mary Poppins Returns and I very much enjoyed it. I think Emily Blunt did a fantastic job. I think they kind of wasted Lin-Manuel because they basically just made him Burt Light. Yeah, pretty much. They did. Um, but my, and maybe it's just because it's been so long since I've seen Mary Poppins. Yeah. It really felt like she was gaslighting those kids. Well, that's what the original one kind of did. But I don't remember it being that strong of a gaslight. Because Uh, because it was Mary Poppins, and she's practically perfect in every way. And it was also, um, why am I blanking on her name right now? It was Julie Andrews. And she very much did the British nanny thing of, no, children, this is what you're doing, and this is what we're, this this is how things are happening right now. And Emily Blunt did did a great job. She was fantastic. Like, you know, I think she ranks number two in actresses who have played Mary Poppins. Uh, <laughs> Yondo is at number three. Yeah. You know? What? Yondo at number three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Another Disney movie. Another Disney uh, movie. Oh but it was Guardians of the Galaxy Part oh, Two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I'm Mary Poppins, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I do understand what you're saying with that. I think a big part of it, though, too, is actually uh, there was a beautiful article I read about that film. And they kind of took it at this point and they said, you know, what's really interesting is the version of Mary Poppins we got in Mary Poppins Returns was the traditional, more P.L. Travers version of Mary mm -hmm. Poppins who argued tooth and nail with Walt Disney and says, you're butchering a character that I love near and dear. If you were ever curious about it, they did a beautiful job in saving Mr. Banks, yes. really getting that point across. That's a great movie, too. Which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's a great movie. But the ending has no basis in reality. Oh, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but the actual history of the, the sessions apparently was very dead yeah. on. But oh. the version that they everybody said that we really got from Emily Blunt was very, uh, very much owned up to the classic books. So, in, no. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Interesting, just quick point about uh, Saving Mr. Banks. If you watch Tom Hanks' performance, he's always pointing with two fingers. Yeah. That's because Walt Disney smoked like a chimney. Yes, oh. and he always had a cigarette between two yeah, fingers. Yeah, they, could, they didn't want to have they cigarettes. They didn't want to have him smoke. Yeah, so you, Walt Disney—that's the only thing Tom Hanks could do was to point like this to show that Walt Disney. Smoked. And whenever Walt okay. was in another room in the movie, you would hear him cough because he was mm -hmm. dying of lung cancer. So that was the way that they slightly nodded the fact that he was smoking a cigarette. Yep. and then they cut into the room, and it was just Walt. They whitewashed <laughs> his smoking. <laughs> so, but well, actually, that was a big thing though too, because he actually very rarely ever in real life, Walt never really let people see him smoke. Yeah. So that was a big thing about him, Did not which know was that. why they had the Ink and Paint Club, which is a infamous secret spot in Walt Disney World. Right. Sorry, I'm playing Ravenclaw again. And <laughs> yeah, it is like, one of the most high class places to you can get into in Walt Disney Land, not World. Yeah. Um, yeah, Disney World. I think it's the 88, the 88 yeah. Club, the 88 Paint Club. But yeah, um, but club. Yeah, the the club is a very posh place. Where you have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to get into, mm -hmm. but. In there is one of Walt's offices, and his ashtray is still in his yeah. office, untouched. So, yeah. Very weird. Weird. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of those secret places yeah. in the park that if you look into, you'll find a lot of crazy stuff about Disney World and Disneyland. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've, <laughs> I've watched videos of the, the tours of the 88, and mm -hmm. it's there's some weird stuff in there, but <laughs> I would... I would love to go in, but it, you you need to know somebody very high up or have a lot of money to get into the 88 Club. Um, all right. So, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about this era. So, obviously, is there any, real quick, is there any one big live-action film for each person here that they're really excited about in this new era of Disney? That's already been announced or one that we would like to see? Um, let's do both. Give just real quick your one you're most excited for that's been announced and what you want to see. I, I'm more, and it's purely for the casting. I, again, it just very reminiscent of the original. I'm really looking forward to seeing what The Lion King's going to look like. I know they're calling it live action and everything is still CGI. Yeah, it's But not really. I don't care. Like, Kitties. I, I mean, <laughs> you, you know, from Donald Glover playing Simba to John Oliver as Zazu, like, it's... I, the the casting of the movie is phenomenal. And James Earl Jones returning as Mufasa is just yes. enough. Uh, as far as a movie I'd like to see, I can think of maybe two. Just give me uh, one. If I pick one, Pinocchio. I'd like to see a live action Pinocchio. I think that's been announced. Has it really? I was just looking it up. I thought I saw it, but oh. it, it may be just like we want. We're thinking we wish this. this yeah, <laughs> because we'll just go around real quick. Aaron, how about you? So, um, Aladdin. Uh, it was the one of the first movies I saw as a kid in the theater. I dragged my mom to it, uh, so it has a holds a special place. So I definitely look forward to seeing that again. Um, live action, um, just because it would be silly and funny. Uh, 
I would love to see like the Aristocats. <laughs> it's, it's a silly, funny movie, but it is one. It was the last movie that Walt did. Yeah. So it does have a little, and it's an original story. That's yeah. hard to say about a lot of Disney movies. Yeah. It's an yeah. original story. Oh, so that'd be so cute. It would be cute, and I love cats, oh, even the too. biting ones. Everybody wants yeah. to be a cat. Yeah. Jada. Um, okay, so one that I'm very excited about. I am really excited about Aladdin, but I'm also really, really excited about the Maleficent sequel. Um, I kind of want to see where they're going to go with that because, again, it's going to be a little bit more original storyline, so that's that's going to be fun. Um, and I'm kind of torn a little bit for ones that I would like to see done as a live action, although I have no idea how they would do it. I would really, really like to see them do a live action Little Mermaid. Um, mm. Without it being, I think Aquaman was a really good test bed on how that's going to work. It, could. I, that, it, could, it yeah. did have Julie Andrews. It did. <laughs> it did. It could play well. We'll see. And Mara looked like Ariel. Uh, but yeah. the other one that I would really like to see done as a live action one would be Frozen. I think that would be really, really yeah. cool done as live action. TJ. Uh, so for me, uh, surprise, it's Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Yeah, I know, right? Ah, sure turn. <laughs> Um, Jada, the, don't die. Sorry, Jada. <laughs> the, the, um, the one I would like to see them do, and it would be along the lines of The Lion King, where it's just a whole lot of CGI, is The Great Mouse Detective. Oh, that would be that would be a lot of fun. That's that's a great movie that a lot of people don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that movie, and I, I think it would be a lot of fun, to, especially now with everybody getting. Back into Sherlock Holmes, I think it would be a lot of fun to have the Great Mouse Detective, yeah. as played by Robert Downey Jr. Because why not? Oh my God! Get. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go with two that I want to see. I want to see Hercules live action because I think there's a lot more in depth they can go. Dwayne in that Johnson story. did it. It didn't go that well. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was very poor. It wasn't the music. Oh, okay. There wasn't the music. How the music was amazing. How about one that's been announced? No. <laughs> well, no, we're doing. Everybody's giving one that they, that has been announced, plus Fine. one they want to see. <laughs> Fine, Aladdin. <laughs> okay, what's, what's your second one? Because it was um, very in your head. It was in my head. So, uh, a very underrated movie, but Treasure Planet. Because I think that would be really fun to see. And again, it was kind of in line with Ben's uh, Lion King one and a half where like it just didn't get a chance to really thrive because it was very underrated, went under the radar. Like I would love to see something like that hit the big screen because it would actually get a chance to get more. I think I mean, it got more of a fan following with time. Yeah, Um, I think for me, um, it's it's very heavily rumored at this point in time that that it's really is finally happening is Sword in the Stone. Uh, is the one I'm most excited for. And I will say for the one I would love to see actually made live action is Emperor's New Groove. Oh, my God. Um, oh, that yes. would be a lot of fun. Because I really think, because David Spade doesn't really look like he ages. So I think you, you would need to, David Spade to play that role. John Goodman could still totally yeah. play, yes. you know, like Pacha. And oh Patrick Warburton could still very much play Crumb. Yes. So I, I yeah. think you could have most of that cast slide into those so roles good. very easily. What's uh, amazing is you didn't see that until maybe like, what, five years ago? Uh. Yeah, but probably like anywhere from like five to eight years yeah, ago. Yeah, that movie um, holds up so well. But it's fantastic, and I think it would be such a great fit for. Let's for make spinach puffs and watch it then. Yeah, yes! I think so. I think it's a good call. Uh, I want to make mention of one live action Disney movie that nobody has brought up yet, and it's one that I absolutely love because it was a story I wanted to come to life at some point, and when it finally did, I adored it. 
Christopher Robin. It's oh, in essence, yes. it's live action Winnie the Pooh. I still haven't seen it. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen so it. Good. I've seen cried. it. I've seen it twice in theaters, and I cried both times Aww. because it's such a wonderful story. And yeah, it's it's one you need to see at some point. Awesome. Well, you know what? Um, originally, we were going to j- dive into another piece here, but I think we're going to take our break because we're already in an hour. Uh, and <laughs> surprise, surprise, surprise! This happens the second time, and only the second <laughs> time that we've talked to Disney. Where Shut. this is continued on. So um, with that, we're going to be back in just a few. Mother knows best. Listen to your mother. It's a scary world out there. Mother knows best. One way or another, something will go wrong, I swear. Ruffians, thugs, poison ivy, quicksand, cannibals and snakes, the plague. No, yes. But. Also large bugs, men with pointy teeth, and stop. No more. You'll just upset me. Mother's right here. Mother will protect you. Darling, here's what I suggest. Skip the drama. Stay with mama. Mother knows best. (laughs) Yes. Are you ready? Transformation Central. Transformation Central. Transformation Central. Transmogrification Central. Can you feel it? You're changing, you're changing, you're changing, alright. I hope you're satisfied. But if you ain't, don't blame me. You can blame my friends on the other side. Personality flaws Give me adequate cause To send him packing on a one-way trip So his prospects take a terminal dip His assets frozen The venue chosen Is the ends of the earth Will be So long Ex-Prince And we're back. All right. So uh, we actually had to cut the front half a little short originally. So we're going to shift the topics down and cut a couple topics because we're talking about Disney. So, of course, that's exactly what's going to happen. So let's jump back in where we were going to kind of end originally. So uh, in our opinions, what do we all think is probably the darkest moment for Disney? And I'm going to preface this now. We don't need to talk about Song of the South. We all know that was... (laughs) Probably one of the worst moments for a them. Big, big, um, but I mean, we're, there's a lot of things that have happened, um, especially between now. But there's a couple other things though too, like you know, some of the ways that Michael Eisner kind of drove the company. There was a lot of fights back and forth between different things. So, um, but is there something specific maybe that turned you off from Disney for a little while, or a message that strongly turned you off? So, teach for me, it's. And Disney's not the only one guilty of this, but it's there. Sorry, there's a lar- they're a large driving force. It's the extension of copyright law. Um, if you look at, you know, in the last couple of years, uh, the last couple of decades, they keep pushing copyright laws further and further out, 
because that means they hold on to their characters. By now, Mickey Mouse, uh, 90% of the um, Marvel Marvel stuff, you know, some of the Star Wars stuff, even a lot of the DC stuff should be in the public domain. But because Disney, Warner Brothers keep pushing that further and further back, we don't have the wealth of infor- the wealth of characters. Um, we'll never have another Alice in Wonderland the way right. that anybody right now can still go out and make an Alice in Wonderland. Right, exactly. You Sherlock Holmes You can't make Disney's Alice in Wonderland. Right. But you um, can make Alice in Wonderland. Which is why you were able to have the video game Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Sherlock Holmes. There's there's a reason why we can have nine different versions of Sherlock Holmes. Okay. It's because Sherlock Holmes is in the public domain. Yeah. Because these characters are not going into the public domain, there's not, like, Batman was informed by Sherlock Holmes. It was kind of, um, real quick, during break, we were talking about a couple of upcoming films that we didn't realize that were on the, you know, block to be remade in live action. And one of them specifically said, Disney's Peter Pan. Because uh, it's going to be a remake of Disney's Peter Pan because there's been eight versions of Peter Pan that have plus, been made in the last, you know, 20 years. And a good example of, uh, of, the, of copyright law is there's a comic book series called Fables. I love Fables. Fables was great. Uh, and it's, what, a 15-year-old comic now? Yep. I'm going to spoil this. So if you're <laughs> still reading Fables, turn, uh, turn your volume down for a few minutes. The original villain of Fables was going to be Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. But because Disney owned the copyright of Peter Pan in America, they couldn't oh. do it. They had that to change sucks. the villain to the villain it was it became in the comics. So, light spoiler. Um, yeah. And because of the... I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the story worked better with the villain they chose. But because yeah. of the weird copyright law, you know... And that's, for me, that's an ongoing issue I have with a lot of corporations. Yeah. Because we should be getting this wealth of characters and ideas that other people can play with. Because who here wouldn't want to see, I, I don't know, um, Stephen King take on Peter Pan? You know, But he can't unless he gets the rights from Disney. Yeah, that's you know who would like to see Michael Bay's Aladdin. We can't unless he goes to. Disney. Well, no one's oh, gonna. No, 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 I don't want to no, see no, that. No, 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 they did not invent Peter Pan. No. They didn't invent most of their stories. Cinderella. Yeah. Um, the Little Mermaid. None Robin of these Hood. Robin Hood. Yeah. yeah, we can we can just start every story that we have said tonight that of our families probably wasn't theirs to yeah. begin with. I, I believe Dumbo was, but that's like a rare, rare occurrence. Rare. Yeah. Well, like it's funny, like right before break, we talked about the you know, saving Mr. Banks, the P.L. Travers stuff. They were actively making the movie without the rights, which was a true story. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the rights from P.L. Travers to make Mary Poppins at all. They were halfway through shooting the film. And it was like the Sherman brothers were in actually an old documentary I've talked about in the past, which is called The Boys. They even bring that up in there. They were like writing music to a movie. And they're like, you've got to be kidding me. And they had a screaming match with Walton. Like, we're writing music to a movie you don't even have the rights to write this character about. And they had to get the person to sign off that owned it. And it was – he. there was no shame in, in Disney back then. There's still no There's shame. There's still no shame in Disney. Their original animated film, Snow White, 
They paid that actress who voiced Snow White, they paid her all of $700 and then basically copyrighted her voice. And she could never, she could never work again. That's insane. Because they copyrighted her voice. So yeah, they, there, there was a lot of dark times with Disney. So that's definitely, oh, that's when you think nuts. about it, she got paid $700 and her voice is an iconic Disney yeah. character, the most iconic Disney princess. I mean, if you want to talk like the original, original Disney princess, it was Snow White. The, yeah. This this is very much the the issue that we all people kind of forget about Disney. It is a corporation first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are about making money and doing everything they can to squash competition all over the place. Be it the independent movie maker who wants to use a likeness of one of their characters in their movie to just going after a copyright they shouldn't even own anyway, but because yeah. they made the last one. That's crazy. Cat. Well, I've heard even from like animation standpoint and stuff like that, it's kind of like if you do animation for Disney, they own even like the drawings that you do on the side and things like that. That's why in some secret Disney vault, there's a whole lot of Disney porn out there. I believe it. No, and it's yeah, actually true. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. like they own everything. And I mean, from a creative standpoint, even like so working with books, for example, you know, the publishers I work with get my rights on lease, pretty much. But we get them back. If you're a Disney animator, that's gone. Like you, the stuff that you create for them, you don't get your rights. Back. I don't know if you this don't get something that TJ's might be jumping in at about too. It, this is the same thing that happened in the comics industry with Marvel and DC. Was that the same point you were going to kind of? Not really, but I am agreeing with but, you. But um, it's. For the longest time, there was a massive fight, and I think um, Denny O'Neill, I think, was one of the people that was responsible on DC, because a lot of people worked on both sides, Marvel and DC, whatever it may have been, that they didn't own any of their art or their storytelling or anything, yeah. and they had to essentially almost unionize and say, no, 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 we, we want to be able to walk away with our art. You don't own them. You know, this yeah. is our, our, our work. Yeah, it, piggybacking off of what you're, you're saying, you know, it's... Definitely, it was definitely a problem. Then there were some artists who couldn't make a, who were known for drawing this character, and they couldn't sell portraits of that character. And um, that's but, the problem: is not being yeah. able to make a living wage off of it as an artist mm-hmm. is problematic. But what uh, what I was going to talk about is uh, another, you know, going on the corporation thing, um, the Disney Vault. You know, there is no reason that the Disney vault should exist. Well, I'm, I'm going to jump in real quick because that is essentially ending. Um, yeah, no, I, no, it, it's ending. Disney for, Plus is ending the Disney vault forever. They yeah, already what you, stated. What do you mean? Disney Plus is the online streaming service that Disney is oh. launching in 2020. The Disney vault, essentially what that is, is for the longest period of time, there, you, you probably maybe remember commercials when you were a kid, if you think about it, oh, yeah. where it's a uh, Cinderella is back available for the first time in home video in 20 years. Oh, because yeah, what yeah. they used to do was they made a big kind of PR stunt and said, buy Cinderella because you're I not going to be able to this. buy it again for another yep. 10 or 15 years. Year, yeah. 15 yeah. years and then when they re-release it, it would be like the Diamond Princess Edition. Yep. The Platinum Edition yes. of this yes. film because what they could do is we they could bring it out in the theater for a week, increase its box office gross of all time, then have a brand new advertising campaign yep. to bring it out on VHS I do remember or this Blu-ray now. or DVD okay. and all those things. Yeah. But that's finally going away. Yeah. Plus, uh, but it's not. 
because I will bet you money there are still movies on that Disney Plus that don't nope. show Disney up. Disney has already they said already that they are releasing everything. everything. Really? They're going to yep. release Song of the South? No, that's never coming back. Into the right, so there you go. <laughs> are they going to release one movie, though, as opposed to like but, uh, hundreds in a yeah, vault? Yeah, but like, look that, at Steamboat Willie. You think that's going to be on there? You think these are... Yeah, I don't see why. I mean, Steamboat Willie... I'm just... Steamboat Willie. Yeah. I'm Russian now. Willie. <laughs> Willie. <laughs> Creepy paper. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is there will probably be Disney movies that we might not think of, that we're not looking at right now. But they're just going to be released from circulation completely, removed from circulation completely. Right, they're but, not going to be vaulted. They're going to be gone. Well, let's right. think about like, um, you know, Bugs Bunny. So, you know, Warner Brothers has clear as day also said, we're not going to release these cartoons from Looney Tunes anymore because... They're really racially insensitive. Oh, yeah. And they're not yeah. going to go back out there. The only way you can get them is to dig up a DVD collection that came out 12 years ago. And right. that's it. There are a lot of Disney char- like Disney movies in general. Not Song of the South, but there are Disney characters in general. Like you talked about Dumbo and the Crows. Yeah. Um, or like the Siamese Cats from Lady and the Tramp. You talk yeah. about some of like the darker aspects of Disney. There was a lot that happened back in the early days that's really not okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that, you know, they've kind of moved past that and they're trying to make amends and do better but you know even some of those old like you look back on some of those older things and you're like oh my god like that's that's really really racist yeah Aaron um it wasn't that long ago because Aladdin's theatrical release uh, yes had one of the most, most offensive lyrics in it and they cleaned it up pretty quick um, I'll tell you after the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're looking at me very confused. Yeah. But, we're, an, we're an adult podcast. You yeah. can bring um, it up. But, oh, uh, okay. um, we can talk about okay. it. No, no, no. because We'll talk about it now. No, we can talk about it now. In the song, which he said, uh, they'll cut off your ear if they don't like your face. Yeah. It's barbaric. But, it's, it's barbaric. barbaric but, but hey, it's home. home. Yep. Sung by Robin Williams in the opening credit song <laughs> to, yeah. to uh, about Agrabah. And if you listen to the soundtrack, it's completely different. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yeah. Actually, what did some they of change the early it to? pieces of the soundtrack still have that original one ah! because I have the But if you, yeah, but if you, if you go oh, like a digital crazy. release now, oh, the yeah, soundtrack yeah, is okay, gone. Wait, that's yep. What did they change like a, it to? Uh, and the heat, and the heat, and the heat is, is intense. intense. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, but that was, 90, that was 1994. Mm, uh, 92. Yeah. 92. Thank you. Sorry. So, yeah, go ahead. The hyenas from The Lion King. Yeah. Were racial stereotypes. Yeah. No, they absolutely yeah. were. Um, you know, that's even sooner than Aladdin. It's an ongoing issue. No, that was later. Uh, later. Yeah. No, well, I meant sooner to us. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking later on in the timeline. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I think I've got one too. I, I, I think one of the big things that it's a huge part because we're all pretty hardcore Star Wars fans here around this table. Um, one of the big things that has always been a big part about the Star Wars community has been fan films or fan creation specifically. Sure. Um, there was a massive project that was ongoing behind the scenes um, for a, about four years now that was shut down last October from Disney. Disney Brass shut it down. There was a studio of three guys that were redesigning um, Knights of the Old Republic from the ground up as with graphics for now that it was purely meant to be a free mod that you could download as long as you owned an original copy of Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, nice. That was, hey, we took a, the Unreal 4 engine, which is a current video game engine that major video games released. Like, Kingdom Hearts 3 was Unreal 3. Okay. This game looked stunning. Disney Brass sent them a deceased desist, desist letter and said, you have one month to destroy every asset that you guys spent the last four years creating. Mm. 
And they said, and if you do not, you will all be sued to X amount. They had to post that letter on every form of social media that all three of them had. They had to prove that their website was fully shut down with that letter posted on any URLs or any associations. And if they were found to violate that, they were all facing jail time. In the past, things like Star Wars Celebration, when they first started off, George Lucas used to come out and bring these types of people on a stage and show off the things that the fan community was creating. Because he was about innovation. And it was about innovation. And... While they may still try to attempt to do that at Celebration, it's not that same way. Like, you know, it's very quick to say, well, what if we choose at some point in time to give money to a company that we're now licensing Star Wars for video games out to, and they want to remake it? And that's why they don't want that available now. And you're like, well, you're still stifling a fan community. Uh, You know, things like that, like fan films and even fan video games, were ways that a lot of people were found in filmmaking industries and video game industries and became ways that people got hired for jobs so it was really disappointing to see something like this happen so i mean i remember when i was in high school they had a maybe late high school early college uh they had a contest lucasfilm had a contest design a lightsaber fight oh nice and it was fantastic you had all sorts of um a couple of those guys got hired. They did great films that were just back and forth star star uh, lightsaber fights. That was yeah. the classic Ryan versus Dorkman. That right. was from that choreography. Exactly. And um, they won't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Because Disney knows that if somebody out there randomly makes something better than they do, mm-hmm. they're going to look bad. Yeah. That's crazy. That kind of brings another problem that I see in kind of jumping ahead a little bit I think about the, the with Disney getting so big they're so cautious about their their franchises and their business and their models they're they're not going to start taking any real risks when it comes to these stories and movies they're going to go for what gets me 80% of the way there yeah. like 80% of the audience I'm not going to Star Wars was a groundbreaking risk now it's yeah. easy well, yeah. what's interesting, and I think it's really funny because we're talking about like fan creations and what's what's the easy path to success. What's really funny is it's they're picking and choosing so heavily, though, because if you think about it, they just completed the acquisition of Fox. What was it? Two weeks ago? Yeah. No, not even. Less not than, even two less, weeks ago. Less than yeah. two weeks ago. Um, something that just happened, I think it was on Friday, was the 40th anniversary of Alien. Yeah. What they actually just released for a marketing campaign by Fox, owned by Disney, was, hey, we, we're releasing a whole bunch of fan community projects that people made for the 40th anniversary of Alien. Because Alien is a franchise that is doing nothing for them financially and was doing nothing for Fox. And I think that's what's really messed up, is they're cel- finding a way to use the fan community to celebrate and kind of drive love for a franchise but then they do something like star wars or you're, if somebody makes a massive but Avengers if you like thing, a popular one, they're gonna say then... you guys probably shouldn't touch that because we can use it to make more money right yeah well talking of the the risk thing um <clears throat> look at the marvel movies as much as we might love them as much as they're really good they are very by the book they are cookie yeah. cutter if you they are cookie cutters to the point where you can tell the action beats before they happen mm-hmm. okay and even the risk takers like Captain Marvel, which was which I loved, 
or Guardians of the Galaxy were still by the book Marvel. Well, you think about one of the points that we've talked about on this show, we've talked about it on DC Primetime, is you can take, and I know Kat and I, you have, I have had this conversation, TJ, you and I have, uh, where you can take Ant-Man, uh, Ant-Man movie, and you can have the big bad villain of Ant-Man, which was Yellow Jacket, mm-hmm. and turn that as the villain into an Iron Man movie, and no one would know any different, because that movie feels identical. Yeah. It doesn't feel, Ant-Man, the movie feels like it goes through the exact same beats, uh, character progression moments and everything that Iron Man 1 did because they use the exact same template and says, okay, let's just substitute this character here. And every once in a while, they'll take a small little tweak where you just don't think about it too, too much. But for the most part, though, there's a lot of those phase one or origin films in those that all follow the exact same cookie cutter path from start to finish. And I'm worried about Star Wars because as as good as, as uh, Force Awakens was, it was basically a new hope reskinned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I liked no. I, I liked the Last Jedi. I think there were problems with it. And don't, and don't get me wrong. I liked I, Force Awakens. I, I want people to speak up because, like, this yeah. is yeah. a really big piece about yeah. this I, whole. Topic. I liked Force Awakens, but I didn't need a bigger Death Star. I I, I don't think necessarily. I want to defend. I want to play devil's advocate on that comment for just a second, and I don't think that was necessarily. Disney being cookie cutter about Star Wars, I think that was more done to bring in a new generation of fan. Yeah. But while while having the original generation still have something mm -hmm. to remember to come back to. But now I'm worried that because they brought back J.J. Abrams, and I'm not a big fan of J.J. Abrams. That's fair. Um, the I'm worried that we're just going to get a cookie cutter Return of the Jedi. It depends. Look what happened when they did Last Jedi, and then you have half the, you know, people whining about something new, where it's like, oh my god, they did it new. They did something They different. innovated. They changed the, they the changed things, like and they also took away, you know, they, There were girls they, in it. I know. It was, it was the worst gross. thing ever. Girls and people. <laughs> yeah, but I loved The Last Jedi. Yeah, I, I, I loved The Last Jedi. I thought there were... I, I definitely I did think too. There were I absolutely adored it. it. But I loved I it too. Last Jedi was fantastic. Yeah. I was but so got, excited. But when they did I saw something new, and which is what a lot of us liked about it was, oh, it's refreshing, it's different, cool. And then, but then again, you know, by doing something new, all of a sudden you get like the huge sect that's new. And this is a really good point for a lot of people to jump in on this because I think a lot of you will agree with me and may have more to add to this. Um, you also have uh, a, a version of Disney that is very panicked, I think, as well, because you had a whole bunch of people that said, we hated what you did with The Last Jedi because of it, it, it brought all these female characters in. But at the same and then you had that moment and then they released Solo and Solo, nobody saw it because and they claimed it was because they bumped it up too close to a movie that a whole bunch of Star Wars fans hated, quote unquote. I, I think that played a small part, but I don't think that was the main reason. They also didn't really market it. They also didn't market it, yeah. but like again, it was cl- really bumped up a little too close, and all these other reasons a lot of us can objectively look at. But then you also then have this weird, interesting piece, though, too, where we're still only a small period of time away from this, where Star Wars is, God forbid, you're somebody like Chuck Wendig and write an LGBT character, and Disney says, no. We're not going to have you a part of this. We're going to remove you from this project. We're going to remove you from this because these Star waves, Wars fans that also waves. were bitching and moaning about The Last Jedi are the same people bitching about your work and all these little pieces. 
And I think it's interesting where you're watching this, where at the same time we're talking about people like James Gunn for many, many months where he got kicked off of a project because of the same type of people. Now you have a Disney that's course correcting and that same person's back on a project. The one thing I really don't want them to do is actually cater to the people who were whining so much about The Last Jedi. The ones who are, quote, and I'm using my air quotes so you know I'm being <laughs> facetious when I say that they're, quote, unquote, true fans. Because, honestly, if you only like one third of what an entire universe has to offer, I don't really know that I can consider you a true fan. Um, also, you know, I actually really appreciated how inclusive the new movies are. And I think a lot of us here do, of course, but, you know, the people who disliked that, I hope that they are not going to continue to cater to that aspect. Um, I, though, I want to see them continue to innovate and I want to see them to continue to add. I thought that they actually gave Luke Skywalker a very fitting death. I liked how he came to an end and, you know, he was actually recovering from the, from the hubris that he experienced throughout his entire life. And, you know, his faults made him human. Um, but the force brought that balance back to him in the end. So that's actually what I really, really loved about The Last Jedi as well. I, I'm right there with you. And I think it's great, too, because we know his story's not even completely done yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, he can come back as a blue force ghost. Come on up. This is true. They all did. Um, I think Ben had something real quick he wanted to jump I, in. I, I want to bring this up because I'm wondering if maybe this is part of the problem. This is something I just thought of and I'm, I'm, I want to get everybody else's opinion on this. Is do we think that, you know, since Disney acquired and, you know, Marvel Universe and the Star Wars Universe, before they had these properties, they catered to a younger generation, to families and things like that. When you acquire Star Wars and you acquire Marvel, you now, your audience expands into the older element. Do we think this is still something that Disney just simply has to adjust to? And and they have to get used to catering to the older, the older generation. They're not just catering to children anymore. I was going to say, Disney's, Disney's a really big corporation, and they've had adult movies for a long time. But they yeah. did it with Touchstone. They didn't do it with a Disney with the Disney moniker. Because but, even we brought up at the beginning of this... But it's still the same brass that are running, it's running still the, the show. Same brass. But, that, but the thing is, the difference is that everybody knows that Marvel and, and Star Wars are Disney. Uh, there were people at this table when we started this podcast that didn't even remember that Touchstone was Disney. They kind of separated the two. A lot of people didn't know that Touchstone was Disney. To be fair, so, though, we're also in a the day in modern day of the internet where everybody knows that Disney owns Marvel. They know, they own. That's what I mean. That's Star Wars. that's the difference. They could make those adult movies under the tit, under the Touchstone moniker because Disney wasn't advertised as owning Touchstone. Now it's a different time where we know that Marvel and Star Wars own, Disney owns them. So it'd be different if they had like a different if they owned the rights to Star Wars and Marvel but we didn't know it was Disney that owned it now that we know that they own them do they have to be adjusted to catering to that adult audience I don't think so because even uh, I don't think so because even with the, the the regular Disney brand they still my father loved Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and all these other ones because they had adult humor in it that went over the heads of the kids so they know that there's an audience out there that's watching it. Um, so it's, to me, it's just, I, I don't think that's a, it's an interesting point, but I don't think it's why. Okay. Jada? To the opposite point of that also, you look at some of the movies like Avengers and Star Wars and some of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they're you know geared towards, I think they actually are geared towards more of an adult audience, but there's still that wonder 
there's still that element of like, I can sit down and watch The Force Awakens with my kids. And they're like, woo, look at the cool starships and X-Wings. And you know, there's Chewbacca and he just made a funny sound. And they're making jokes and this and that and the other thing. But there's still jokes that, you know, like Mike and I will sit there and laugh about, like, you know, in, in Solo where K2 is talking about how, you know, it's a little uncomfortable the way Lando flirts with me kind of thing. Or There's aspects of it. There's definitely geared towards the parents and the older people in the audience. But there's still elements that the kids can enjoy and it brings them into the universe and into the fandom as the next generation. And and that's what I mean. I mean, you look at a movie like, you know, Captain America Civil War. Kids are not going to understand the political aspect of it that you get in that film. But there are still elements that kids can watch and be in awe of. Whereas, you know, with the reverse, when you had the Disney movies from before, you know, Marvel was catered more towards the adults with still elements for kids. But now... You know, in the past, you had movies that were catered for kids with elements that were for the adults. We've kind of reversed the process now with Marvel and Star Wars. That's kind of what uh, I just said. I know. Uh, I was just kind of <laughs> piggybacking off of it. Sorry. I, I think the the one thing that Ben does make a good point, which is these are very different types of movies than Disney has made in the past. Think of a previous f- science fiction, science fantasy style movie that Disney produces that has this huge universe and all this story built into it, they don't really exist. Um, think of the types of movies that have like superheroes flying around and saving the planet and every other week there's a world-ending event. They're, they're, that's just not what Disney made. There well, are, I mean, I think the three of you are, are, are all kind of repeating the same point. I well, mean, I think yeah. Jada really hit it on the, hit the nail on the head. And, you know, I, I think you're, you're, you're both agreeing with... It was the point I was trying to make, and Jada just made it better. What, yeah, what, I, what I'm saying is, is they're yeah. very different movies. And see, what well, Ben was trying to say I, is that they can't they don't know how to market to these types of people. It's not that they don't know how to market these types of people. It's not like they don't know how to market this kind of movie. Well, no, movie. I think that's, that's not true, because they did make things like The Black Hole, and they made things like Tron and things like that. I mean, Disney, they, they're the same company that made... Here's a deep cut. Watcher in the Woods. All these things like that from way back in the day. They know how to make live-action films. They've always had known how to make live-action films, True. especially for a more adult audience. I don't think that changes any of these pieces that we're talking about whatsoever. And I think... I, I guess I felt that like comic book movies are very specific. They're, they're almost like a genre unto themselves. Yeah. They're a relatively new genre, and I don't know if anyone's really figured out how to, how to do them right. And they're just kind of getting through them pretty well. Um, no, I was going to completely jump, so go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> see, I don't think comic book movies are a new genre. We, we've had comic book movies since... 70s before. and 80s. Yeah, yeah, 70s and 80s. I mean, look at the Superman movies. What's new and that Disney has done, what Marvel did and Disney picked up the ball and kept running, was the shared universe, which had so many mm-hmm. reasons why it shouldn't have worked and for some reason did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. Maybe yeah. that's what I'm referring to as a shared universe. Yeah. I think the biggest thing we're seeing, though, is not like with what they're acquiring. It's the sheer volume. Because with any corporation, the larger you get, the more you squash any sort of disruption. And you kind of like everything has to be homogenized. Like, you know, even working for a corporation, things like that, the bigger they get, the less, you know, for example, you get Starbucks wants to be the teeny tiny coffee shop. But they're never going to be. They started the name writing thing on cups because they wanted to feel like that coffee shop where everyone knows your name, but they can't because they're too big. They're still McDonald's with coffee. Yes. 
it's pretty much like once you get to this level of like you keep getting bigger and bigger and Disney's going unchecked where it's just insane. Disney owns way too much of my childhood for me to be comfortable anymore. Way too much. Yeah. I've gotten to into a point where I'm looking at properties that I think Transformers are the last thing they don't own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not far off. Um, I crap. I just lost everything Sorry. I was going to oh, say. Um, well, I mean, you know, just yeah. jumping off a of cat's point while you're still trying to remember yours is th- there's a reason why companies and there are laws putting caps on and preventing monopolies. Yeah. And Disney is close to that point. Well, to They're be still... fair, we have a federal government that doesn't give a shit about anything anymore. I mean, yeah, so. that's true. If they would that's enforce true. those laws, that would be fantastic. Yeah. It's a pretty tough sell for an entertainment industry. Like, they don't have another more entertainment. Well, no, but I mean, like, I, and to put it in comparison, uh, WWE, which is a wrestling company, they're, they pretty much own almost all of professional wrestling at this point. Disney, there are still a lot of properties out there Disney would have to acquire to become a legal monopoly. But it's not to say that they're not growing exponentially enough that they couldn't get close. I just don't ever see Sony selling ever just because it's Sony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, okay, even if you see it with um, the way things work, you know, in smaller artist communities and things like that, you see it locally where like you have a town that's more art heavy and it's a lot of people who don't have as much money. They're artists. They're working like you get the most innovation from the smallest sources because it's not being squashed and homogenized. The second it gets big, then all of a sudden that's when like all the corporations move in, things like that. And all the art bleeds dry out of those cities and towns. And the thing is, that's what we're watching happen with Disney owning everything because the things we love, it's great that they now have money, but it all has to be under their rules. It all has to be set. It all has to be even keel. Like, and that really does stifle creativity. Yeah. I mean, well, you think about it. For the longest time, Disney, they had the childhood market pretty well on lockdown. But, like, as the years went on and, and time went, like, they think about what they really started focusing on. They had the Disney Princess line. That was such a huge thing that they really just packaged. And they said, this is every small girl's dream come true is to be a Disney princess. Then As somebody who had a house full of pretty much every yeah. Disney princess thing ever for my daughter. I, I actually had this conversation <laughs> with my mom because I would pick up Lily from, you know, after work and she would be a different Disney princess every day of the week. And my mom looked at me and she's like, you know, if they had had that stuff when you were a kid, that's all you would have worn. You mm-hmm. would not have owned regular clothes. You would have just been a different Disney princess dress every single day to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is. It is it is that thing. And then it's like the Disney fairies. And then it's the Cars universe because they had to come up with something that was like just as easily homogenized and acclimate. Um, sorry, what's the one I'm looking for? Accessible mm-hmm. for boys. Right. That's yeah. exactly so, what right. I was getting so into, it, too. You know, you get into like the Jake and the Neverland Pirates and you get into um, uh, the Disney Cars and some of the other franchises that were a little bit more gender neutral and things that weren't just exclusively geared towards more femme children. Right. And what I was kind of getting with that, it was like I said, they had the Disney princess line and they realized, crap, we really don't have this hard lock market for boys. And then all along comes Marvel and they said, holy crap, we have everything we needed. It's all there. Princesses and superheroes, which is why we're 22 films into the Marvel universe and we have one film that is headlining woman. That's insane. Yeah. It is 22. insane. And out of those 22, only one of those starting, starring an African-American. 
That's insane. That is absolutely insane. Hold on. Give yeah, me a yeah, second. Yeah, because this is what I lost three minutes yeah. ago. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't want to lose again. No, it's fine. He's but then we it. get to Star Wars and they say, we don't know who this is for. And this is why we watched Disney fumble the ball. And they're like, they released toy lines for TJ. Sorry. That is going horribly wrong. <laughs> so I didn't think it was that it's a wheel pickup. Oh, okay, so sorry, my bad. So, so, but like I said, we joked about the Star Wars spectacular two years ago, where we're like, watch. We watched Disney kind of fumble, fumble the ball with the merchandising with Star Wars, when all these oh, little girls yeah. ran out and said, "Where's the Ray figures?" Right, and Disney said, "We don't have those. We just want to let you know we 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 made that mistake." And then they said, "But they're coming." <laughs> but it came way too far late. Yep. Yep. And you'd you... think they would have learned from the Kenner disaster from the right. early 80s where they did not have enough fi- uh, action figures as the movies were released and they were fumbling at that point. And I mean, we're talking Lucasfilm back in like the early, like late 70s, early 80s where they were they were trying like crazy to get as much production on the toys at the time because there weren't enough. But I think there's a little bit of a split on that. That was a com- that was a company that no one expected something like that to blow up versus they knew it was going to do well, but they expected it for the boy market as well. And they didn't realize that they were going to have that magical property now that they're going to bleed on both sides of the aisle. Yep. Because that's exactly what's going to happen is you're going to see that. And that's why we're still seeing this explosion of angry white man what did you do to Star Wars? You know, and it's, 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 what did you do to Star Wars? And that's what it kind of exactly is. <laughs> so, to hit a couple of points, uh, one, so we talk about the angry white man with Star Wars. They've also hit tried to hit Captain of Marvel. Of course they have because yeah. they're angry but, white men, and yeah. so no, it's a girl who's powerful. But to, who doesn't to give you me. a general idea, the box office for Captain Marvel is probably going to pass a billion dollars in the next Good. two days. Mm-hmm. This, I took my daughter to go see it. It was phenomenal. It was great. Um, and the. Um, uh, box office for the Last Jedi almost made 1.5 billion. Okay, yeah. these guys don't do anything except yell really loudly. Yeah. Okay, and unfortunately, one of the big CEOs and one of the reasons why we did not get a female-led uh, Marvel movie until now was because Ike Perlman kept referencing Catwoman uh, as an example as to why female movies don't work. That's some bullshit. Yeah, no, that was a bad Wonder movie. Wonder Woman. Wonder and that's Woman. what convinced them that a female movie would work. It took Wonder Woman, and everybody went, well, yeah, if you write a good story, of course we're going to show up. If you up. write a good story, and you have a good woman director to make a story about a woman superhero that's filmed for women and not necessarily for a male gaze, right. which is exactly what they did with Captain Marvel. Yeah. They and, really and it did was, it well. It was, it was great. I loved Captain Marvel. I love Wonder Woman. It's, you know... And I think they need to do more. But then it took 22 movies to get... Yeah. Especially when you had Black Widow standing there going, hi, guys. Yeah, exactly. And everyone I loved movie, Black Widow. Black Widow's fantastic. I'm not even sure that there's even a Black Widow action figure out there either. For all of the, I mean, as much as I love Captain America and I love Iron Man and I love Thor and all that and all the other Avengers... I've, I've seen Black Widow figures. I, I've seen, but, and like, she maybe is, one. And she is getting her own film, but you're right. It's sad that but it took... But it's like... It's like it's 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 what I mean. Four. It took, yeah. it took 10 movie. Yeah. It took 10 years and 22 movies to make it happen, which is a bad, bad thing. We're basically just saying what Kat said. They have squashed innovation 
because they don't want to take any real risks. risks. It's scary. Um, One would hope that when you have this much money, you can play and go into the innovation world. And that's what I don't. But they don't. No, they don't. Because they just want the ease. It's easy. And I feel like if they did have a side project where they did take more risks, like if they had a side development, you know, that's great. Do that. If if you want to play it safe on the main projects, fine. But like to completely just. I feel like because the the DC world just needed like a really good kick in the butt. Like Wonder Woman did that for them. Like, yes, we know how to make a great movie and it can also, it doesn't have to be like all shiny. It can be gritty and nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think, you know, just continuing on with your point too, about squashing innovation, you look at the future of Disney and we're now in this rash of them taking their original animated films and turning them live action. Yeah. There are still so many more movies they can do that with, including, you know, with continuing on with the MCU and continuing on with the Star Wars universe. That in essence, they really don't have to create anything original for at least the next decade. Mm-hmm. And it's sad. It is because of how much money they have and how much say they have in the entertainment industry. But also on top of that, how much money they will still continue to make because people will still go to see these films. This is true. Right. It's the it it, it, it's the problem right now with entertainment and, and other areas of industry. It's not, hey, how can we make this better? It's, hey, how can we keep making money? Yeah. And like... And it goes back to what copyright I mentioned earlier. A lot of the new innovative Sherlock Holmes stuff has come because he's in the public domain. Okay, There are writers and artists and, uh, you know, imagine what you could, if he was in the public domain, what you could do with Mickey Mouse. Yeah. I, I, I'm a little afraid. Of, I mean, about yeah, that. it's but, a little, little okay, scary. I'm not saying it's all good, but I'm saying at least it's not the same thing. Oh, yeah. Well, hell, even. All I can say is Sonic the Hedgehog and DeviantArt. Don't look that up. Uh, no, oh, no. Why? No. Oh, I hate you now. <laughs> I felt like we needed a slight dash of humor for a yeah, moment. No, no, but it's. If you look at the new Mickey Mouse, uh, I'm going to use air quotes here, new Mickey Mouse. He looks a lot like the original, like when he first came out. They're basically doing the same type of animation again. Not really. Um, I, I, I'm going to counterpoint on that because, hi, I have somebody who's yeah. very heavily into the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse right now. Um, and the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse does not look like Steamboat Willie. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm not talking about the. Uh, I'm not talking about the Clubhouse. I'm talking about the new uh, animated shorts. Oh, those I have seen. Yeah, yeah and those, those those ones are like more vintage Disney. Yeah, um, and I can see, I can definitely see the comparison in that. But um, yeah, like a lot of the things that they're like mass producing for you know kids these days. If you look at Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and a lot of the shows that they are showing on Disney Junior, it's not like those little shorts are meant more for like us. They're not meant for littles. Um, but, you know, talking about, like, what could people do? Uh, again, I don't really want to know what people are going to do with Mickey Mouse in the public domain. I really do not. But Mickey is never going to be in the public domain. Mickey is their icon. And he is, like, he is Disney. Like, there's yeah. there's no getting around that. He's never going to be uncopyrighted ever. So so the, I think part of the reason why they're making these shorts look like the old stuff is because then it just perpetuates that copyright. Because you then can't make anything look like old Steamboat Willie because now it looks like my new stuff. Because uh-huh. it just has to look a little bit like it. To be, yeah. To be, yeah. and because they reproduce something that's slightly different, 
Now they have another 70 years. Well, um, the the ride that's replacing the great movie ride in uh, uh, MGM, MGM yeah. is... Well, sorry, Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood Studios. Hollywood Studios. You can tell the last time I yeah. was at... Is <laughs> a Mickey Mouse ride. And it's going to be done in the style of those shorts. It's not going to be in the Club Mickey... Uh, style it's going to be in the the retro style that they've started to develop that's because that park is geared towards an older audience yeah no and hollywood uh, studios is all about star wars it's all about you know some of the like more of the pixar stuff whereas magic kingdom you're going to find more of like the winnie the pooh right. the princessy thing stuff that's geared towards the younger disney park goer experience mm. so yeah i'm not surprised yeah. by that at all in fact i will tell you how that is in may Um, the one thing I will point out in terms of copyright law is the last extension happened uh, in 1998 it was a 20 year extension it wasn't extended again so in 1998 everything produced I think in 1928 went into the public domain unless somebody steps in and realizes hey wait copyright law ended we got to do something what gets starts getting interesting is the early and late thirties because of Superman, because of Batman, because of Mickey Mouse, and we'll have to see what those corporations step up to do. Let's be honest. Every one of those layers is well deep into those lawsuits. <laughs> yeah. No, I know, but still I, I honestly think they're just gonna petition Congress to change the law. Well, yeah. And, and of course just, it's gonna happen. They'll just oh, throw yeah. half a billion dollars at it and just make the law say that the corporation owns the rights to it until the corporation well, corporations that. are people so it's okay so so but yeah, yeah. but because remember remember the, the, the public domain says all. like if i'm alive it's my intellectual property until i'm dead and that's a number of years after i die well corporations live forever so now the thing will yeah, never yeah i really leave. do not do not like that aspect yeah. it is too much control and it needs to be dissembled well, I was going to say, I was like, we could move on to the discussions <laughs> about Fox and all that stuff, but I think we've already been talking about this for yeah. quite some time. So just in case you're joining us and you spaced it at one point in time, we are talking about the darkest timeline of Disney, uh, the Fox, we are now in Fox the acquisition, the MCU, and Star Wars control. All of these things are really being well taken Disney care of. Disney apocalypse. So darkest Disney our, timeline. Our, 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 our very first episode was Disnerding, and now we're talking about Dispocalypse. Dispocalypse. So yeah. hashtag Dis- Apocalypse, uh, yeah. So, um, so I, I, I kind of. You're like, I'm scared. Now. I feel I, like we have hit a lot of your points, Rob. Like, about, well, yeah, like, no. like uh, no. what happens if Fox and they, now they have all this control? Well, I they're going like, to homogenize. Let's talk like, about who's going to be a Disney princess. Yeah, I like the next princess. Lighten the mood a little bit. And that's usually why I have those topics in there is because we need to find a way to transition. And sometimes Everything you just make is ruined forever. the transition. But I think... Uh, I, I th- That's like disassemble capitalism. <laughs> Take it down, brick by brick. <laughs> but I mean, I think this is a good opportunity though for all of us to still get it because these are three major points that we want to talk about in this episode. There's nothing wrong with us talking about that for an hour straight. I think that's really important because yeah. that's why we did Disney part two. Yeah, because we spent an entire two hours praising them. But there's a lot for us to not want to praise. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's proof positive based on the conversation we're having. Well, um, yeah, we're now in the dispocalypse. We're in- <laughs> I, I, yes, but the dispocalypse could give us Avengers versus X-Men. So there are still some yeah. good elements that could come from Or the dispocalypse could end with, like, you know, 
Mickey Clyde of the Rob Hill I just want to see, like, I just want to see another snap of the Infinity Gauntlet, and the only person left is Mickey. (laughs) 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 We're kind of already, we're kind of already there. It's a reset. And you know what? Here's the thing is for me, though, after Endgame, I'm done. I'm, I'm not all in anymore on the MCU and things like that. I, was, I am so sick and tired I, I was of going like to a movie theater to watch general. a superhero movie. I do a I do a DC podcast with you, yeah. and to be honest, I'm probably not going to see Shazam. Really? Oh, I don't care. So I'm so tired of going to a movie theater to go sit down and watch a superhero movie. I've done it for 10 years. I'm I'm done. Longer if you consider like Daredevil and movies like that. <laughs> but I'm talking about like I'm talking about like the I know, era. I'm talking I know. about like the era we're in now. If yeah. like if we even started say back at like the Nolan trilogy, if we even take it back to that point, and we're talking like 15 years ago, there's there's only so much of one thing you can consume over and over and over without like I'll put it this way. I saw whether I was pissed off from being spoiled about something or anything about like the last big Avengers movie, but I sat through Infinity War and I watched everybody I know lose their minds and says, this was the greatest thing since I spread. And when I was in that theater, even though I knew the twists that were going to happen, I sat there stone-faced the entire time. I'm like, I'm so sick and tired Rob's of this. stone-faced killer. And yeah, I know I'm, I'm, I'm in the vocal minority on that, but like for me, I'm like, I, I want it's, something it's bigger and new. It's normal burnout. We need the genre shift. And unfortunately, again, if Disney keeps trying to churn these same properties, we're not going to get a genre shift. We, and it's we're important. not going to get and, that like and I'm, variety. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of of the same note, too, in that like I, I, when it comes to these 10 years and these 22 movies, I've been the kind of person where... I need to be there opening night. I have to see this movie as soon as it happens. And Endgame, I will be there the same way. But after Endgame, yeah, I'll probably still go see like Spider-Man Homecoming in theaters and things like that. But it's going to be more of, okay, I'll see it when I see it. I'm not worried Mm -hmm. about going to see it as soon as it comes out. I don't have to be that opening night guy. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like I'll go, I'll start picking, like for Marvel, I've had to see all of them, you know, to to keep abreast. But now that Endgame's coming... Uh, I'll probably go see Spider-Man and then I'll start picking and choosing. You know, I won't you know necessarily see Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy 3 in theaters. I'll wait till I can get it on TV. Yeah. Can't we like switch into fantasy or something? Like just do a genre shift. Come on. I mean like, like give me something else. Think about I just want something else. Think about westerns. Westerns were the biggest thing westerns. for the longest period of time. I want space westerns and fantasy westterns and all of the things. Like, but just again, it's just Disney's got to pivot, is, guys. And that's the thing is, like, we're all sitting here talking about like around the table. Like, we're all saying, "Well, after Endgame, it's like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll see this." That's proof positive that the bubble has burst because, yeah. yeah, if they tell you tomorrow, here's the next ten films in the MCU. After this movie, are you guys going to all see those 10 movies in the theater? I'd see no. another Black Panther movie, and I'd see another Captain Marvel movie. Because those two to me were probably the most But innovative. if they say they're going to do Ant-Man yeah. and the Wasp Part 3, are you going to go see it? <laughs> no. Are you going to go see Doctor Strange Part 2? I didn't really even see Doctor Strange Part 1. But I mean, I think that's what that's kind yeah. of the point is we're, we're th- at that we're point like, where you are going to pick and choose. And eventually they're going to get already i do too Uh, you we're we're right there with you jim and and i knew the bubble burst for me kind of to the point where it got like over the past couple years like take last year for example where yes we got avengers infinity war and we had black panther and such i was more excited about movies like bad times at the el royale going to see that in theaters than i was going to see the the 
the superhero movies. Because that was more like, a, okay, it's that time of the year, I gotta go see it. Mm-hmm. But when a movie like Bad Times at the Royale comes out, I was excited to go to the theater to see it because it was different. Yeah. Um, will it matter in five years? Netflix already has movies coming out on Netflix first, theater second. Disney's bringing out, a, bringing out a streaming platform designed to show Disney's. What if Disney said, we're going to release all the new MCU movies first a week before on our platform? Well, they're already announcing we're, they're, they're doing a Loki series. They're I'm just doing, saying. They're like, doing Hawkeye. And if they did that, and then 80% of the population gets this streaming service, who cares if they go see the movie in the theater? Because so you already got your money. Anyway, well, yeah. I mean, I, I think it, to, to kind of you know piggyback off of that point, I think one of the reasons why movie theaters are doing these plans, like movie, like um, like movie, what, what movie pass, pass was, movie pass was, yeah. AMC's got AMC A list and things like that, is because theaters are in essence they're losing. I mean, it, there's already been plans in the works now that some studios have fought, but other studios have been behind about being able to watch a movie at home the day it releases in theaters. I mean, and that's one of the reasons why I think these theaters are doing these plans is to bring people back to the theaters because they know they're losing. And I think you're right. I think in like a maybe 10 to 15 year time, we could very possibly see the end of movie theaters and the movie theater experience. Well, I think the movie theater experience is important, but like, I I think because I think getting people together in a group to go see something is fun. But what I like that places like Movie Tavern do is like the $5 movie day where it's like, come see Princess Bride or things like that, where everyone can go see a movie. And a lot of old theaters like the Colonial does that, too, Mm -hmm. because my cousin and I went to see Last Unicorn when they brought it back. It was like, oh, yeah, we'll go see it in a theater because we never did, you know, and it's things like that where that allows them to at least get income to continue, but people can still go see movies together, you know? So I read an interview with Steven Spielberg about four or five years ago where he talked about how the movie theater experience is changing and what he envisioned was that instead of, hey, it's a family of uh, five, we're going to go see a movie for, Jada, how much is a movie for, for, a, five for, for, yeah, for, for five of us? Oh, you're talking. Yeah, you're uh, talking like a good about like fifty dollars. Okay, yeah. Oh, so easy. when you're, I mean, for five of us, I mean, not that Alec would even sit through a yeah. movie, but if if I were to buy tickets, even chi- child's tickets mm-hmm. for you know the the little for you know our three yeah. kids plus the two of us plus you know if we decided to get like any kind of and you know, I'm the type that will sneak candy in in my purse. I right. don't care. But you know, if Roners cannot see a movie without there being popcorn involved. So well, yeah. even if we were to buy like you know two sodas and a big popcorn, that's still between tickets for all of us. It's like a fifty dollars experience. Right. So Steven Spielberg was saying this would end, and instead you'd have Broadway type. You know, they would release only in theaters for X amount of time, and that's it. And you would go see them as you would a Broadway show. Yeah. Um. And that the only ones really that would be in the theaters anymore would be big action movies. The dramas and stuff like that would head to Netflix and yeah, to that makes sense. HBO. And he he was talking like instead of a fifty dollars for five, like two hundred and fifty dollars to go see a movie in theater. No. Well, I mean, we kind of already have that a little bit with Fathom Events. Fathom Events does that in which. Uh, you know, if you're a fan of drum corps, you can go see DCI International shows sure. sitting in a theater. Right. You can go see a special operatic performance of The King and I for like two for like a Monday and Tuesday night thing. Mm-hmm. So we kind of already have that a little yeah. bit. 
Yeah, I mean, these kinds of things. I mean, I think there's going to be a shift. I'm hoping that by these releasing of movies like on these stream platforms will allow indie movies to come back. Um, well, are, we've started seeing that. Though. Yeah, but I mean, like even more so. Like, just there's a lot of really good indie movies that just we then it's really difficult to find them and see yeah, them, absolutely. and they don't get good distribution because Marvel and <laughs> not Marvel, but Disney takes up seven slots at a theater yeah, every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and they're just they don't do that because it's just not economical to throw yeah anything but that blockbuster to the theater, but maybe it's we'll see something. Only going to get worse. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. only going to get worse. It's the best <laughs> way we can. <laughs> Indeed. All right. We're going to stop this conversation where we're at right now. We're going to end on a positive note, end with our MFK because we're well over. Oh, I had an idea for I who would make a good well, princess. No, no. How about we do one princess who are new favorite Everyone princess? Everyone gets and then a MLK. princess. Come on. Do we want to do, here, here, I, I need a vote on this. Do we want to do princesses or we do we want to do the Wreck-It Ralph thing we were talking about? I need, Ooh, I, that's tough. because it's one or the other. That's all we're getting because we're already at two hours. I have ideas for both, so I, I, I'll take you. All right. One. Princess would be faster, probably. Probably. Yeah. Depends on yeah. what you're looking for. Are you looking to save time? Save princess. time. Let's, let's yeah. save time yeah. and do princess. the princess. When we get to. Because I, I, I got to get up early tomorrow morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when we see. get to Disney 3, Disney with a vengeance, then we'll we'll bring back some <laughs> yeah. of these points. So. Revenge of Dispocalypse. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> all right. So let's do. We'll do princesses. So, um, all right. So. Obviously, like I said, you have the Fox lineup to deal with. You have the MCU. You have Star Wars. Who should be a princess at this point in time? I have one. She is not a princess currently, but if you could find a way to make her a princess, I would love it. Buffy Summers. Yes. Because because Buffy the Vampire Slayer is now a property that Disney owns through the Fox acquisition. Kaylee and Anara to piggyback off totally, of you. I yeah, was fire for yes. I was leaving the one for you because I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jada, would you do the honors? Um, well, I would say probably Princess Leia, obviously. Because, I mean, it depends on if you're going to say princess or general. But she's still always royalty. Why can't she me. be both? Both? Both. Both is good. <laughs> Something that is not yet Disney property. <laughs> uh, you know what? I would like to see her also is from the Star Wars lineage brought into the mix is Ahsoka Tano yes! brought into the Disney princess line. Absolutely. I think she is a wonderful <laughs> fit because we saw her be a giant character grow through both Clone Wars and Rebels. Rebels. And I think it's a, a a character with as much power as Leia uh, for the Star Wars part. Yeah. Um, one of my more favorite characters from the MCU, if she gets this, this character gets her own movie line is Black Widow. I know mm-hmm. she doesn't seem like a great. She is getting one. No, she's she awesome. is, but she would be. I think she'd bring a lot of fun to the just the idea of being a princess because she's just a she's a badass. She knows she is. She doesn't take shit from anybody, and she's awesome. Another one who's an actual princess from the MCU, Shuri, Princess oh, Shuri. Yeah, sure. good point. Yeah, Didn't she's she's that. definitely a Disney princess now. She's yeah. royalty. Yep. She's dust at the moment, but she's oh. Oh. Uh, yeah. be like another month. They've, they've confirmed yeah. that she did not make the snap, but yes, yes. She she's back. Away. For a month. Yeah. For a month. But Shuri is awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. TJ. Uh, I'm going to go with a recent Fox acquisi- uh, Disney acquisition. Lisa Simpson. Huh. Interesting. Uh, yeah. um, I'm actually going to bring up one additional one because I think it's really important and I'm amazed that it hasn't happened to this day. Oh. Miss Piggy. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well... 
They they own the Muppets. No, they do not. Again, I said that I said that when we were prepping before this. They Disney leases the Muppet property through the Jim Henson Group. The Jim Henson Group still owns, owns the property. It, then yeah, All right, fine. Still if own I'm going to change that, but I still think it would be a great princess. Yeah. I was going to say, if not, fine. Ellen Ripley, done and done. <laughs> yes. Oh, the Xenomorph Queen. There you go. She's a queen, not a princess. Well, she, she used to be a little so alien. So was Elsa. <laughs> she used to be a little alien oh, queen. Oh snap! So. A little what? alien princess. I only know Princess Anna. So, so what you just do is you you put a face hugger and says, "We'll be one day alien queen." <laughs> that princess face hugger. Okay, look at that. Princess works. face hugger. Princess face. Hugger. And that's this is how we transition to now. It's time for our Mary fuck kill. Because they fuck your face. So. And then they kill you. It's perfect. Yeah, it does. And sometimes there's love. You never know. All right. So uh, our Mary Fuck Kill for tonight is because last time we did Disney, we did all princes. Well, well, male villains. We'll we'll do all female villains this time around. So we're going to do Cruella DeVille. Uh, we're going to do Maleficent. And we're going to do Mother Gotham from Tangled. So I figure this is a good mix. So uh, who is ready to rock? Ben. Oh, these are never. These are never. <laughs> oh, I don't even know. So first and foremost, I, I'm gonna kill Cruella just because she's not attractive and she's just an evil bitch. Like I want nothing to do with her. Um, I would marry Mother Gothel, even though she would probably lock me up and never let me leave the house. Uh, and I would fuck Maleficent because something tells me it would just be really dark and dirty. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I think that's, that's, that's probably going to be our answer for most of this. Yeah. So, Jada. Okay, so I am going to agree with you on Kill Cruella DeVille. I do not find her attractive in the slightest. Um I would actually probably fuck Mother Gothel because I don't want to get locked in a tower anywhere and I would marry Maleficent because that is a marriage of power. And you know, you know, you marriage between the Fae, that's that's a very powerful thing. However, I'm thinking there would probably be, still be some pretty good married sex life going on there too because, well, it's Maleficent. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's actually the same. Um, I would ask Cruella DeVille because, I mean, she's really like into the animal abuse. And she kills cool. puppies. She's mean to she puppies. She kills puppies. How, yeah, I can't she's deal with dead. that. Done. And then Mother Gothel's kind of gas lady would not want to be married to that, but you could put some duct tape over her she won't talk it's fine then and then uh maleficent you marry because if you watch the movie maleficent i mean like her home life is sweet right it's awesome you get a castle <laughs> and she can turn into a dragon yeah it's really cool it's like idyllic fae damn land. good sex smoke your enemies done and done <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've still yet to see that movie i have to so, watch oh it. it's good so good I'm gonna trio this out because this is my favorite. <laughs> for much of the same reason Kat said. Um, I have a real hard time with someone killing puppies. Um, puppies. Although I mean, part of me was I mean, Glenn Close's Corella wasn't hideous. Well, uh, I was going strictly for anime. I know, but but um, no, killing puppies. That's out. Right. No, yeah. No. Yeah. Um, I figure Mother Gothel, I wouldn't want to marry Mother Gothel because she lives forever, forever, and that would just be just no fun. Well, she's got that weird hairbrushing well, fetish, well, you, too. Well, you, gotta, you, you, just, you just have to also make sure, though, too, with if you, Mother Gothel, you, you just make sure you have a rancher. She's that way she can't fall out of any high story windows. Right. Um, no, just, just fuck her. Get it over with. And marry, marry Maleficent. So. Okay. TJ. Uh, so there is a dragon, a witch, and a monster on this list. Yes. Okay. So obviously you kill the monster. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I mean, the other two are, are evil, but Jesus. <laughs> puppies, Rob. Puppies. I would fuck Mother Gothel because even if she locked me in the tower, my wife, Melissa, would just break it down and roast her ass. Dragon. She just reaches it. Yeah. Dragon. Got you. Um, I'm going to kill Mother Gothel. Because uh, she's very, very passive-aggressive, and I deal with that enough in my own family, so no thanks. <laughs> um, I think uh, you fuck Maleficent, because again, uh, I'm sure that's probably some of the best BDSM sex you were ever going to have in your entire life. Yep. Uh, and um, Cruella de Villain, we're just going to be a cat family. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> if you can outlive Cruella, you'll inherit a small fortune. That is true. That's true. <laughs> but again, well. we're just going to be crazy cat people. That's it. Because, yeah, because we're not going the other route. You know, no dogs alone. No, no, no. no <laughs> so just keep her away from puppies. Yeah, like, that's all. It'll be like, bind her hands behind her back if she gets near the dogs. It's like, no. <laughs> and we've gone into the weird BDSM thing. Uh, <laughs> again, I brought up Maleficent and it was going to go there anyway. Fair enough. <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, the only, again, the positive of, again, to marriage with Maleficent is, again, it's Faye, so she can never quite lie to you. So she can bend the truth a little bit, but. I'd like to say that marriages in the dreaming really only last a year and a day, so. <laughs> I feel like I need to watch this movie tonight when I get home. Yes. You do. Because I haven't seen it yet. It's I wanted to. <laughs> All right. It stars Angelina Jolie's cheekbones. It does. Yes. <laughs> and they are a fantastic they character. Are. They, yeah. <laughs> Angelina Jolie's pretty good, too. Yeah. <laughs> But her cheekbones just steal the light. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's really what most of that movie is. It's just cheekbones. Yeah. Yep, that's yep. it. So, so her cheekbones are kind of similar to Bruce Campbell's chin. Yes. Or, okay. or oh, David no. Bowie's crotch in um, Labyrinth. Labyrinth. I actually think. Oh my God, I watched that. The cheekbones are larger than both David Bowie's package and Bruce Campbell's okay. chin together. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, they're I'm, very prominent. I don't know. David Bowie's package in the theater was impressive. We're going off into a whole nother new <laughs> podcast topic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quick, end this. All right. Um, kicking around, let's start with Ben. Tell everybody what's going on in your world. Uh, so I'm still putting together Phenomicon right now, which do, is... Do, 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 do. do. Phenomicon. Well, do, see, do, do, do. after the idea I told you guys before we started recording, that could come into play now. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff that's in the works with Phenomicon. So do, we're, lo- do, do, do. So we're, we're <laughs> looking at... Tw- do, do, do. 2020 is probably when that's going to finally launch. Uh, other than that, obviously, Next Level Podcast Network, next, which is nextlevelpodcastnetwork.com, facebook.com slash the Next Level Podcast Network, which is where this podcast is, as well as DC Primetime, which we do, uh, and a number of other podcasts. Aaron, what's going on in your world? So I just started a 60-day challenge on Fitness Challenge. Ooh, so yeah. starting that up, and today was XSX, so we'll see how Yay. the next 59 days go. You can uh, do it. I started that this morning, too. Well, you can go the distance, just we'll like try. Hercules would <laughs> say. Um, over the summer, I'm going to be trying to build up my in workshop in my house and hopefully be able to start selling things like on Etsy come the fall. I have a couple of things that I've built out and my wife keeps pushing me to do more. Yay. So that's my summer goal. Very that's cool. awesome. Jada, how about you? Bombay Jam, Bombay Woo-hoo! Jam, Bombay Jam. So um, I am doing a lot more with dance fitness these days. What's uh, it called? Bombay Jam. Okay. <laughs> it's a total body dance fitness workout that includes a toning reg- regimen as well. So you get some great, funky, fun, Bollywood-inspired dance cardio along with some really fun toning where you don't even feel like you're toning. You're like, wow, we're still dancing. Oh, wait. Hey, my arms hurt at the end of this. Really? Wow, that's awesome. So um, I'm actually going to be teaching classes at the Brand New YMCA, 
which is pretty local here for some of y'all. So come and check out my class at 1130 on Sundays. You can even still sleep in and then come and work out. It's going to be rad. Um, and then also, I also have an opportunity to be subbing for my mentor, Bob Nishamalan, at the Vibe Vault Fit Studio in Lionville as well. So look for Yay. me there too. DJ. I got muffin. <laughs> uh, how about this? Uh, if you've got nothing, what is one geeky thing you would like to recommend to people right now that you're really digging? Um, actually, I'm re- uh, now reading the Brandon Sanderson's novels. Uh, I'm kind of late to the party, but um, they are very absorbing, and he's put out a lot of them, so it's taking up a lot of my time now. Uh, what, where would you recommend people to check out and start with? Miss Born. Okay. Yes. Cat. So um, I have some books. Here's where Rob tells Kat yeah, all, yeah. The, all of her plugs. <laughs> Kat, you have some books. <laughs> yes, I have some books. Um, the Shifter series, the Tribal Spirits series. Look, I remembered the name. It's um, book one and two are out. Book three is on pre-order. It will be out next week. Um, the book four will be going on pre-order next week and coming out in May. And then I'm finishing, I've finished writing book five, I'm editing book five, and it will be sent in, and that's the final one. So that series will be wrapped up by the end of the year. What is book one of the Tribal Spirit series called? Forged Alliances. What's the second book called? <laughs> Forged Decisions. What's the one that's just about to come out called? Forged Contracts. What's the one that's about to come out for pre-order? Forged Futures. And what's the one that you're finishing writing now? <laughs> Redemption. Ta da! You're welcome. And you also had another book that just went up on pre order, too. Oh, yeah. I have uh, Tales from the Skies on pre order, which is a compilation of airship shorts. And then um, Color of a Soul, which is a paranormal romance novella, is on, also on pre order. And then um, book two in my Faye Rockstar series, Discord's Desire, it's called oh. Hypnotizing Beat, will be out, I think, in April or May. I'll find out from my publisher. Yay! I didn't have to do anything that time. Cool. Uh, as for me, you can always find this podcast, it is in addition to DC Primetime, as Ben mentioned before, over at thenextlevelnetwork.com. Also coming later this year is a good reminder to everybody. In September is Are You Still Afraid of the Dark? Uh, and if you want a good idea of things that we're going to be talking about, there is definitely a film we'll be probably reviewing on this podcast, which is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. If you haven't had a chance to check out that teaser trailer just the other day. Definitely do so now. We'll also be talking about other things such as the classic Nickelodeon series. Are you uh, still like, uh, Are you afraid of the dark? In addition to probably maybe even things like Twilight Zone and things like that could still yeah, make some kind Twilight of appearances. On and there. I think we're going to do at least one episode where we're actually get some people together to do some voice acting and maybe read a story too. Uh, and play it out yeah so we will we will tap into our good friends in the larping community and tabletop community many of those people sitting at this table uh and actually get a chance to maybe direct out as you put it a short so that'll be a lot of fun to do later this year so keep your eyes out for that but until next time please make sure also to head over to our good friend dj cutman and game chop records their websites to check out the music that you get to hear every month on this podcast and until then we will see you next month for episode 54 of the Caffeine uh, Crew cast of pods. Without uh, further ado, take care and we'll see you then. Bye. Creepy paper. <laughs> Creepy paper. Taste apocalypse. <laughs>